0: Welcome back to Rise of the Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Kara. And I'm Keith. And I'm the Pokemon Master. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Should we talk about that in just a second? I mean, uh, let's... It was down the road. We'll talk about it down the road. So look at what I have right here. All right, so we have Keith in the house. And so, Keith, these are two books, not just one,
1: but two. What are you doing, you author? Yeah, right. right. One of those gets to go to the Manthe household, and one of those gets to go to the Brown household. You you guys fight amongst yourselves.
2: I had made an
0: (laughs) argument right off the bat. I was able to download this one. That is the Red Betty
1: and the Murder Farm, available on Amazon on the Kindle. Is it still... Free? It's still free on the Kindle. I'm going to do another free promotion for another day. Uh, Amazon lets you do that. That's
0: yep. awesome. And then this
1: one here. Oh, look at that nice graphic
0: Chris has. Hey, 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 covering
1: hey. up me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was
0: intentional. Care of Keith. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was intentional.
0: And then the other one is just the uh, horror anthology
1: handbook. Okay. And so this is like nonfiction. That's nonfiction. That's about horror anthology movies. And it's specifically written for filmmakers. So oh. People who like horror or like to make horror movies. These are so cool.
3: I'm so. actually really excited to read Red Betty and the Murder Farm.
0: Kara loves a good mystery. Oh, Kara's yeah. addicted to murder okay. mystery.
3: Right yeah. Uh, this this girl, this woman, does uh, murder mystery makeup Mondays. She oh, does her yeah? makeup and she tells true crime stories.
1: Oh, that's really cool. She's does the makeup amazing. in some way correlate to the story?
3: No. But that's what got me into true crime.
1: Oh, sure. Cool. Because
3: I like makeup. And I really like, true crime was interesting. You know, I'd watch, I don't know, I watched America's Most Wanted and stuff back when I was younger, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But then I was like, well, this could be cool, listening to stories while she does her makeup. And now I'm like, true crime. It's interesting. I can't say cool because that's creepy and weird. It's interesting. (laughs) 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 So,
1: Well, this is not true crime. This is completely from my brain.
3: Well, when, so. When, so, when I heard the title of this, it made me think of a, a true crime back in the day. There was a woman who lured men to her farm, and she murdered them back in, like, I think it oh, was, man. like, the 20s, 10s, 9, maybe the late 1800s. So, that's what I thought of when I saw this. So, I'm super excited to read this.
2: So,
0: <laughs> compared to the first time you've come here, Kara's interest in... That genre, uh, right. has
1: increased tenfold. Which well, that's so oh, funny. That's good for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Exactly. 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 horror is alive and well again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's been really funny because she'll watch like YouTube videos about it, and then like when we're, when I'm not home, we have Netflix stuff we will watch together, right? Or right. Streams. Oh man, we'll watch man. together. So when we're not together, she's watching unsolved mysteries and all these other true. Crime See of no
3: shows. evil. See oh, no yeah. evil. Forensic yeah.
0: files is the best. Uh-huh. What is forensic files? Yeah. That's the one where they introduce a new forensic technique every
1: episode, right? Yep. Man, uh-huh. they have enough techniques to introduce a new one they've in d- every They've done like
4: 15 seasons of this. That is
1: crazy. It's that is absolutely <laughs>
4: crazy. So, Gravedigger, okay,
0: so talk about, let's jump, last time, well, a while ago, a year ago, uh, we talked about Gravedigger Dave's. Yeah, and, and, and I have seen it now. Kara's seen it. We've mm-hmm. all. I own it on Amazon. For, oh, well, thank <laughs> you. Uh, and then, because uh, I know it was streaming on Prime now.
1: Yeah, it's still on Amazon Prime, which is pretty cool.
0: It is cool. Yep. And then, so and then a second one's coming out, and the trailer for that is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh,
1: thank you. Uh, yeah, is, I'm excited about that it one It is
0: fantastic. Too. <laughs> so I was sitting there, and like, so I'm at work. Oh, Chris has the uh, the. Garage. Look
3: at the Chris, yeah. just all prepared oh, keep, for tonight.
4: Keep, Made me prepared.
1: Oh, way to go! All I did is send you three still images. If you guys watching this could see the console that Brownie is working <laughs> behind, it's like a spaceship. It <laughs> 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 kind a of is full-on TV studio in here. Um, so I was sitting there at work, and I may have already told the story, but I was sitting there at work, and I was
0: like, "Oh, Keith shared his new trailer," and so I was like <laughs> watching it, and I had it sitting there, and then I'm doing my thing, and I look over, and I'm like, "Oh." oh good and then i'm sitting here like watching it and i completely quit what i
2: was doing
0: <laughs> I just watched the whole thing and it's just i know how much like hard work we put into what we do here yeah so you don't know how much people actually appreciate stuff because you don't like get to see their reactions you know
1: it, yeah that, i mean it would be nice to be able to do more stuff in theaters for the past you know year as we you know record this we're mm-hmm. in April or wait, what month are we in? May May. May. Yeah. May of 2021. So we haven't really done anything in theaters for over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be really good to get back to that and like experience something with other humans, you yeah. know, whether it's something I make or something that I just go to see, like right. it, movies are made to watch, mm-hmm. you know, socially and communally. It's a communal mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. So it's been really, it's uh, something I've really missed.
0: Um, yeah. It's a little tangent about that. So, My family, right, we all went, a big group of us went to see um, The Rise of Skywalker, which, Mm. you know, came out right before things started to get bad. But um, we were just talking about the other day, my coworker, David, he said, you know, that's the first time I met your dad was when we went to the movie. So just a little personal, like, you got to see my dad, and then he was looking, and he's like, okay, Jeremy, you're this tall. Your mom is this tall. What happened— (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know, so anyways we got to meet him and all of his mannerisms and everything and it was just kind of fun because it was a movie that was a catalyst for that experience and if without that environment when would uh, those two meet each other you know so yeah. it, was,
1: it is kind of fun I really 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 miss going to the movies yeah we well, you know we've all been just kind of watching stuff at home in our own little bubble mm-hmm. and as like somebody who makes things you guys make things you yeah. only yeah. know how people are responding to it if they comment right, right. and, oh, that, and that leap from like getting a viewer to getting a commenter it's kind of like It's a lot, right? You really have to engage that person. Um, But if you're just in the movie theater and you can just see people reacting, they don't have to say anything. You're like, okay, that moment works. This moment doesn't work. You (laughs) you, you you just kind of like feel it, you know? So it'll be good to get back to that.
0: Well, even that, when not even being part of the person who made the movie, there's just jokes that sometimes I'll laugh at things, and I'm the only person in theater who laughed. And then, you know, other plenty of times people are cracking up, and I'll get a little chuckle or something or a little right. emotion um, right. uh, come out of me. But, yeah, there'll be times where I'm just like, ah, ha, ha, ha. That's, that just echoes over <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that
0: was really funny. I don't know, like, if it was intentional or not, or maybe I just right. thought it was funny. But, yeah, I really miss being able to go to the movies.
1: Well, you know, when we did do the screening for Grape Digger Dave's Halfway House, you guys had a trailer for Rise of the Podcast. That, yeah. so, right. And seeing it that, like, on the big screen, like – I mean YouTube is wonderful, but yeah. YouTube doesn't quite do justice to the quality yeah. stuff oh, you guys are great. like recording well. as we speak. <laughs> Seeing it on the big screen was like crazy. Mm-hmm. It looked so good. It looked
0: super cool. Um and uh, I miss you you mentioned like YouTube is such a one way street. Even when people comment, it's just, you don't get the engagement like with the back and forth. And that's, what's fun about going live is that we get this opportunity to have this back and forth. Cause without it, it's just, it's just not there. And it's not nearly as fun. I feel like I'm just barking at a bunch of people. And, um, but, uh, so going to the movie theater. Yeah. You get, you get to to read the room and, and, and get that experience. And, and even just Chris is like, Oh, you know, we want well lit and well, whatever. And, you don't a phone will stream over an internet connection, you know whatever cell tower and they'll drop it down to 360p and it'll be all, like yeah movie theater is a movie theater <laughs> yeah. it's like you're gonna it's just coming off of the media directly and it's getting broadcast on a big screen and it just makes it so much fun yeah, yeah. absolutely super, super cool so gravedigger dave's two yes is. electric boogaloo <laughs> <laughs>
1: um what what's the progress on it or what do you want to Pitch about that? Sure, yeah. So, this movie, um, so the first movie was uh, an anthology film of all short films mm. I had made. This one has short films coming from all around the world. So, um, I've already let the filmmakers know who have been accepted into the movie, and they're from nice. China and Korea and England and Germany. They're from all over the place. So within cool. the United States, they're from the Midwest and California. So, um, it's a very kind of wide uh, group of filmmakers, a very That's wide awesome. reaching. Um, and they're all creepy stories about the undead and the paranormal and what's on the other side.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they're all thematically, I think, going to fit really well with the Gravedigger Dave kind of universe. So uh, I'm directing some stuff. There's uh, a whole bunch of other people who have directed some stuff and contributed to it. And we're going to do a uh, screening this summer at cinema. And then DVDs are going to be sold at cost. You cool. know, so if whatever platform we yeah. s- decide to sell them on if it costs $3 to make a DVD, they'll be sold for $3, so it's totally not for profit. That's oh. um, and it'll also be streaming on uh, probably Vimeo. I'm going to I'm I'm kind of unsure if I should go YouTube or Vin- Vimeo for yeah. the streaming element, but mm-hmm. um, it's the movie's going to stream for free as well. Perfect. Cool. So,
4: so yeah. Vimeo doesn't mess with your quality as much as you know, YouTube just hits the compression buttons to a maximum so like right if you're looking for a better viewer experience Vimeo but if you're looking to get to more viewers YouTube so
1: yeah. that's kind of the toss-up and like the people who contributed to the film um, you know I get to see what platforms they're using and they're all on Vimeo as well so Vimeo is kind of like the home for like filmmakers yeah and I also feel like Vimeo is a little more uh, like Roku friendly yeah. and yeah. like Amazon Fire friendly than YouTube is so it's probably going to be Vimeo. That's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You know,
1: Vimeo's kind of like the uh,
4: MySpace for yeah, movie right. people. Well, don't MySpace compare, is like don't the, compare
1: it to MySpace. Well, no. <laughs> so,
4: like, MySpace was for, like, bands, right? Right. And then right. so then Vimeo's for, like, filmmakers. And yep. OnlyFans is for Jeremy.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um So we're going to be
0: able to stream it. Uh, I think it's... I. So Gravedigger Dave, everything was shot in the Northland, and so like yep. I got to meet uh, Adam was in that film, right? Adam,
1: yeah, Adam Norrie. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Adam, Adam was in that. that
0: film, and so like I've got to know him through Facebook. But anyways, it was cool because we got to see all the local area. But I'm equally excited to see things that aren't in my wheelhouse normally. So mm-hmm. I just, that's going to be crazy.
1: It's, you know, I'm really, uh, trying to test the versatility of the Gravedigger Dave concept, mm-hmm. like how many different types of stories from different types of places can this character kind of like support. Um, so I, I'm really super confident about the second movie. Um, and I, I got so far into the Gravedigger Dave character that I decided to brand the, the novel Red Betty and the Murder Farm as a Gravedigger Dave presents. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, I think this character, uh, as played by Matt Rasmussen, the lovely and talented Matt Rasmussen. He's
3: been here.
1: Yeah. He's been here many times. Friend of the show. Almost as many times as I have, I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think this character can kind of uh, be the backbone of a lot of different types of stories in the same way that like the Crypt Keeper is like the the face of Tales from the Crypt. Right. So Right.
0: Um. So, we got Gravedigger Dave's here. I am super excited to read this. Yeah, I was going to say,
3: we should talk about this, because...
0: Yeah, I want to get to the books. But, so, about Matt, really quick. Um, You've got Matt in the trailer, and then you've got the, the man with the drill. Yep, yep. is an amazing counter-character to Gravedigger Dave. And I can't believe how possessive I was over... Uh, Gravedigger Dave. When I was watching, like somebody challenge him, right? <laughs> what well, you stepped out? <laughs> you stepped out right now. <laughs> this is, no, this is Matt, and this is Gravedigger Dave, and he's the one. Like you get, you get. I don't know. You get that nostalgic, like whatever. It just. I wish you could have seen me watch the trailer because it was, it was, it was really that cool. Yeah, was,
1: that's and getting back to movie theaters, you know, mm-hmm. getting to yeah. watch stuff with people. But so uh, that guy, I call in the script. I call him Dr. Drills a lot. He's yes. not actually named in the movie, but I, I had to like find a way to refer to him. While I like I was it. Writing. And Dr. Drills a Lot is played by Sean Zarn, the lovely and talented, uh, also from very, Duluth. Very talented. Okay. Yeah. I, the acting is just off the charts. It's so you good. Know, I so I actually um I had seen Sean acting in something that Matt had made that was a YouTube video, and then um they gave me a DVD of a movie called Spooked in Bridgewater mm-hmm. um that they had made, I think, when they were in college. Um and so Matt is in it, Sean is in it, and like every time I saw Sean in something. Um, even though I think I had only met him once at the time. I'm like, man, this guy, like, I don't know. There's just something about him. Like, right. He's just like fun to watch. Yeah. And he's just a good actor. And I don't think he has any experience, but I think he's just real. I mean, any like by experience, I mean like formal training or, right. or anything like that. I think he's just kind of running on instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just, there's just something kind of like captivating about him. And yes. I saw that in everything that Matt showed me. Um, so I'm like, hey, you want to be in this movie? And he immediately just said yes. And, uh, awesome. and he's really great in it. That's so
0: cool. Well, Matt's such a fun character, and we had uh, Chance uh, on. He did uh, a YouTube yeah. series, The Lifties. Yeah. And so, in preparation, I had this first time I heard about him when Chris uh, said that he was going to be on as a guest. So I went and watched all of uh, well, two episodes at a time, three now of The Lifties. I went and watched him, and of course, uh, Kara's upstairs with uh, you know Chip, and I'm downstairs watching it, and I like all of a sudden Matt's on the TV. And right. He's so <laughs> iconic. Gary yells, downstairs, is that Matt? And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. Matt on the TV. You just
1: know that voice, you do, right?
0: You do. And then um, I had seen, um, I was selling some stuff on Facebook Marketplace, and I had uh, two people message me about it, and I'm looking at both their profiles, and on one of the guys, he had a um, cover photo, and the cover photo had Adam and Matt in it. Oh, really? And I was like... He didn't know him because he was like just like a fan taking pictures. It was the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Oh, Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I'm like, what is this going on? Matt's just popping up all over the place. (laughs) He's
4: he's everywhere.
2: (laughs) He really is.
1: I don't understand how he can get anything done because he does so much. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, he's the king of Halloween. He's like the king of an entire season. Yeah. Right, yeah. You know, of the year, which is kind of crazy. So that was cool. Anyways,
0: the whole point is. Hello, Gabe. Welcome.
1: It's It's fun that he's in
0: your movie. Hi, Gabe because um, he's just he's such a good he's such a good and fun
1: character um, and you know and I just want to hop back to Chance for a second Yeah. so yeah. Chance is also uh, an author on top oh, of uh, oh, having really? this web series yeah he's working on a uh, book about that. I don't even think he's ever probably even ever really talked about this but I'll talk about it for him because <laughs> <you go>. <laughs> he, he let me read like a, a kind of an early draft and um, I told him what I thought and it, it's it's really good and it's called In the Web of the Spider Queen um, oh. and uh, it's it's creepy as hell so <laughs> look for that i don't know when he's gonna put it out but someday oh, so cool. he will and it's awesome
0: well i had, i had some common ground with him right off the back. because what he does and he's gone right now you know doing yeah. that thing but i'm like oh man, I, I i've been i've done that before and i hate leaving because you have to like drop everything that all your projects you're working on and go work you know somewhere else in the world for a while and it's really tough but yeah he was it was really fun getting to know him yeah um, yeah the course of uh just The podcast, and then just now on Facebook, I get to know people through Facebook. I get to know Adam because Adam was messaging me when Matt was on last, or when Matt was on his phone call, or when he was on, yeah, I think he was it's on his phone, phone call. call, Yep, And uh, it just made Adam's day, but the whole like their whole relationship cracks me up too. Mm-hmm. Um, but so. Just a funny story for everyone, just as a, because t- we do t- tangents here. Mm-hmm. So we've had, um, I've t- told a story about the time we made a taser out of a disposable camera and I tased Dave's little brother. Mm-hmm. And then we had Dan on Yeah, and he talked, we talked about the Northern bus and him remodeling a bus. And so what happens is when I talk about stuff on the podcast, everyone wants to like, let me know when they see stuff. So when I talked about the taser story, I got like five pictures texted to me of the Jake's hand where I tasered him in the scars. <laughs> Five different people sent me a taser. So since Dan's been on, I've had a bunch of people been messaging me remodeled buses. And they're like, they're like, oh man, Dan, you should show this to Dan. And I'm like, you should send it to Dan. You know, um, Chris and I were talking and it's like like Star Wars is huge, but mm-hmm. like people who make memes and like things, it's not that hard to be exposed to like Star Wars. Star memes, Wars, yeah. right? right? Star Wars memes or whatever. <laughs> And so what cracks me up is I would imagine the bus remodeling crew or
4: community, community
0: isn't probably that big. I would right. imagine Dan's probably seen a lot
1: of these things. Probably. Yeah, And um, I, I've, I've tagged him in stuff before. And, and he's just like, yeah, I've been tagged in this. I'm like, oh, yeah, you have been uh, tagged in this. <laughs> multiple times.
0: Yeah. So it, it, I should have told Dan. That. I just never thought that that would happen after the fact. But yeah. And then like, you know, how Facebook listens to you or whatever, too, I, yep. I on their own bus remodeling, things will pop up now. And there was one I saw, like, uh, it was like, trick out your Volkswagen van book. And I'm like, eh. I just, uh, the projects are, are beautiful, but it's a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it, you can see it in, in Dan's videos. And yep. it's just really fun. But um, that just made me laugh, because I would imagine, like, anything horror-related, people are probably, you know, just...
1: Yeah, I guess so. Last with it, maybe. I mean, I certainly Batman seen Halloween. related. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah have Halloween. <laughs> you seen no. Halloween?
0: You know you've made it when somebody sends you your own work, right? Well, yeah. So you're like, hey, Keith, have you seen this awesome book?
1: <laughs> this is uh, going back a ways, but on that topic. So when Heath Ledger passed away in oh, 2000, yeah. I had people that, like texting me like, are you okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm
3: like, well, yeah. I was more not okay than anyone else. I was like, Heath Ledger, I loved you. <laughs>
1: oh, no. What, I mean, what, what had your favorite Heath Ledger movie been before The Dark nice Knight? Night's Tale. Oh, I've actually never seen a Night's nice <gasps> Tale. I, it's terrible. Okay, okay, I didn't okay, realize you know, it was like, one of those Jeremy movies. has no right okay. to gasp so, because
3: it took me like three years of marriage to get him to so, actually <laughs> watch he's <laughs> it. He's the guy
0: who plays in Still Standing. He's the British guy. Or I don't know. The bad guy? The big, big fat guy.
3: Oh. Oh, uh no no no. Um I know. He also you're played no, 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 no. in um, the Hold snowman.
0: On. He's the drummer in the snowman. There's these random me. movies. I'll bring his name. You'll know
3: who it is, Chris. You'll, you've you'll, mentioned it before. When I
0: say it. And then you've got um we watched uh Man in the High Castle. <clears throat> oh yeah. So the main yeah. German bad guy or the he's not even a bad
1: guy, he ends up being
0: a good killed yeah, his son
1: Thomas. That guy he's he's um, one of the really he's a really challenging character. You don't know what to make of him. So he's point. in A Knight's Tale. Nice. You've got... Um, Mark
0: Addy. Mark Addy is in A Knight's Tale. You can show...
1: Yeah. Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudick. I don't know Paul Oh, Paul Bettany. Okay. Yeah, I know him. So,
0: Alan Tudyk. Alec Tudyk. He played Steve the Pirate in Dodgeball. Wasn't he in oh, Firefly, okay. too? Uh, yes, he was in Firefly and Serenity. He's a
4: voice of K2SO. is a voice Paul of K2SO. Paul Bettany. Vision. Yep. The yep. Wanda, yep. Yeah, all Rufus loves.
3: Sewell is the bad guy. He's in a night terror. Uh,
4: Rufus is an evil person. And then of course, yeah. and then of course you have Heath Ledger. Yeah. The movie's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I gotta watch it. It's, a, oh, it's overhyped. You're not gonna enjoy it. No, it's not. <laughs> it's
3: such I, a good movie. I yeah.
4: Never thought I would have loved it. Loved it. But I, I loved I've it. seen. I've seen it multiple times. It's yeah. like, eh. like people are like people love it so much that it makes me not possible to like it.
3: Well, I, it's okay. so it's, it's, it's It may not made
4: be for you, good. but it is good. It is. Good. It's, it's like the people like so. It's been made out to be too good. Uh, so, uh, th- on the opposite side of that sort of same coin, I suggest for people to watch Princess Bride because I love the Princess Bride. Right? <laughs>
3: I love Princess Bride, mm-hmm. but, but least, like, I would
4: say it suffers from the exact. same Yeah, thing no, that's again. the exact same thing. It's like so, people that are introduced to that because I watched it as a kid, right, and right. I grew up with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's the same thing that people that absolutely love A Knight's Tale watched it younger and grew up with it, right? So it's like I don't, uh, I don't like the movie. Right, it, because I don't have the same attachment to it that they do, and they're pushing it at me so hard. Yeah, that yeah. I, I, My immediate thing is like,
1: stop.
0: The, mm-hmm. the casting in it is just so good, though. Yeah, I'll, it really I'll check is. it
1: out. But yeah. that that happened to me with um, the Goonies because I had never seen the Goonies as a kid. I still yeah. haven't seen it. I've not I mean, seen it either. It's good. It's it's certainly a good movie. But like when you watch it in college with people who grew up with it, you're right. kind of like. Yeah, it's, it's good, guys. Yeah, yeah you feel it's, like the odd bump or, yeah. bump or
0: whatever.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's a fine movie, but it's nowhere near as good as people make it out to be.
0: Yeah, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I I do think it's good, and I didn't watch it until <clears throat> I was older. But I do think you it's you are good. a child, though. I think the Princess Bride is better.
4: Like, yeah. to me, that is a mm. that's a just a classic. Yeah, you know, and that has a following. Yeah. But Mind um, Steal, I think is I, I honestly think they're pretty comparable movies in terms
1: of like. Well, is *Night's Tale a comedy? I thought it was yeah. like a straight-up adventure movie. It's, it's like an
4: adventure comedy.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't realize yeah. that.
4: Yeah, okay. it, it's it's fun. I don't know.
3: The music the, is bo- fantastic. Bo- both of
4: them are set in like a fantasy setting and like sure whatever. Like so, *The um, uh, Night's Tale was made in like 2000 or whatever, the late 90s or something. Whereas like *Princess Bride* was in the 80s. Yeah, right. Um, but Paul Bettany is he, who, Who's the uh,
3: 2001 was *Night's Tale. Who, who's
4: the announcer? Who plays the <laughs> announcer?
3: Chaucer? Paul Bettany.
4: That is Paul. The Paul Bettany. Brad is lighting me up about this. Night's Tale thing. Wait, Brown, you movie. like Night's
3: Tale? Yes.
4: Hey Cam. Welcome um, to the chat. Hi Cam. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not right, saying that people right. shouldn't enjoy it's it. It's just overhyped. It's overhyped to me, and yeah. I didn't personally enjoy it to yeah. the like so to be, the extent. Yeah, it's like like people are selling it to me like it's freaking gone with the wind. <laughs>
3: I'd rather watch A Night's nice Tale than Gone the Wind. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I've well, never seen
0: Gone with the Wind. Uh, it's what you, so what, what was like fun for me, I guess, is because it was fun to see all these. I Like I said, the casting is what really did it for me. Seeing Paul Bettany as this, um, just this, uh, he, is he a drunk? Or is he a gambler? Chaucer? He's,
2: He's a gambler and, and a drunk.
0: drunk. Yeah. He's a he g- loses
3: his clothes all the time gambling. So that's he like he like
0: hypes the he hypes the the crowd up for the the main character who is um, Heath Ledger mm-hmm. and then you've got Mark Addy who I absolutely love he played in a, a sitcom called Still Standing which I love and then um, what does he play in that he's the main character in Still Standing it's a t- it's a sitcom and
4: his his still he, isn't Still Standing the Tim Allen sitcom
0: nope that's, no, that's Last that's, Man
4: Standing oh okay, okay.
0: yeah yeah that's yep, right yep last man standing and then so okay. still
4: standing is the older one. I have one. no idea what Still standing is. Yeah, a lot of people Yeah, I've never heard of it either. A lot of
0: people haven't seen it. Really really Oh, really I forgot good.
3: Mark Addy's yeah, in <laughs> Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, he is. He's the king in season 1.
1: Oh my yep. god. I've never watched Game of Thrones. Robert- That's so <laughs> spoiler. I'm failing on so Standing. I haven't seen Game right of Thrones now. either.
3: Robert Baratheon.
0: So the problem the problem with Game of Thrones is, uh, you
1: know. It sounds the season, like there's a lot of problems with Game of Thrones. Season 8
0: ruined it. No, season oh, eight. Yeah, season 8. But anyways, it's a fun movie. I forgot I completely derailed Oh, Heath Ledger, people will call you up when he passed <laughs> <out. laughs> we, we,
4: we don't
1: need we, to backtrack. We, we we're we're s- from that to me getting lambasted for not liking the <laughs> yeah, movie. We're down so many tangents. There's no backtracking. So, what's your favorite Heath Ledger movie? I mean, The
4: uh, Dark Knight. Dark I Knight, yeah. um, yeah. watched that within the last couple of weeks. It's so really? freaking good. Well, I mean, yeah. I've seen it before, obviously. Yeah. But Netflix is like, last time to watch this is April 30th. So, I binged the whole trilogy real quick. Yeah. Nice.
3: My best friend and I, so we we're huge Christian Bale fans as well. Yeah. My like my wife too, and yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: your wife's got good taste.
3: <laughs> but my best friend and I would always get together, and we would watch the Batman. I think it was just the two
2: at the time. At the
3: time, and we'd we just we'd pound down a bunch of Mountain Dew, and we'd eat a bunch of Reese's peanut butter cups, and we'd make cookie dough, and we'd eat a bunch of cookie dough, and, cookie dough and we would just sit and we would drool over Heath Ledger as Batman,
1: and mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Heath Ledger, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale, Christian Bale, and then you do
3: have like, Heath Ledger, but I mean. Uh, he's, he's, not
1: not so good. So he's not looking so good in that movie. Right, exactly. There's no drool in there. It's just
3: Christian Bale's like, mm. yeah. So anyway, yep.
0: That's uh, yeah. <laughs> is he married? Hopefully, no. I'm just kidding. Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah.
1: Who knows? Who uh, knows? yeah. I think he is. So, Brownie, recently, you tagged me in that, um, like, which trilogy do you prefer mm-hmm. uh, Facebook oh, yeah. thing? And it was yeah. like, this face for this one, and this face for that one. So, obviously, I, you know, I had to select Dark Knight, even though there were yeah. some really great trilogies in there. But um, can I assume that you guys all chose Star Wars? I picked Mine Back to the was, No, you picked Back to the Future <laughs> or Star fu- Wars. Back to the Future is my jam. I mean, that is, like, a perfect trilogy. Yeah,
4: like, I, I would argue that uh, there's very few perfect just individual movies made, and Back to the Future is a perfect movie.
1: Yeah, and Back to the Future too. I mean, I I think the third one suffers from a lot of the the things that a lot of third movies and trilogies suffer from.
4: Yeah, like they have to try and wrap something up that's so big and
1: sprawling, and right. Yeah, and then the movie becomes more about that than just telling an interesting story. Yep, mine was um, the
3: even split of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. <coughs>
1: See, Lord of the Rings was a close second for me too. I don't think Lord of the Rings suffers from the third movie problem. Well, I think it's, it's up a from great a book, third movie. You know,
3: I mean you yeah. can't really go wrong.
0: And not when well, it just is yeah, it's got years of it. Yeah. So, you know that movie the, the casting. Again, you got Sean Bean, you've got um <laughs> from one of them. Yeah, you've got yeah, yeah, Liv yeah, Tyler, know, know. you've got yeah.
3: Are you talking about Lord of the Rings? Yeah, Lord
0: of the yeah. Rings. Yeah. Sean John Bean Aston, is a death magnet.
3: Elijah Wood.
0: Yeah. Okay, so as a kid, I, I watched, um, or not even as a kid, but just like as a young adult person getting into film films, like I watched every movie that I watched, Sean Bean was a bad guy. So you got yeah. GoldenEye. Then, oh, him is Treblin? Uh, tre, Trevlin? Treblin? And GoldenEye? The GoldenEye reveal was particularly is. heartbreaking.
1: Because <laughs> as a kid, when I was watching GoldenEye, I didn't mm-hmm. see it coming. I'm like, yeah.
0: no! Yeah. <laughs> Um, I
4: forget what his name is, but yeah,
1: yeah,
0: uh, and then you and then uh, in the island, he's the guy who runs like the cloning
4: facility. And oh yeah, the island. island. is an underrated movie. That, that is
1: that's Michael yeah. Bay's best movie, I think. I didn't, I
4: didn't even know Bob that was Michael Bay. Bay. I didn't it know is, it is. It is. Did, he did the Rock, didn't he?
1: Oh, that's true. I think he, the Rock is better. Dude, he's done some. He's Ferrari, done some good movies.
0: It's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: that movie. He gets a bad rap, but he he started off with some really good. I mean, bad Boys. Anyway, Bad Boys is good. I've never seen Bad Boys Bean
3: dies and everything.
1: Yeah, he does. Except oh, for wait, National
3: you, Treasure. Are he you didn't talking die? about Sean
0: Bean movies? No, I'm talking about. Well, I was. I switched to Michael Bay. Got anyway. it. Got yeah. Michael Bay. Got it. Wait wait, wait, wait. So your trilogy though? Oh, it was just so I used to it, Sean Bean was always the bad guy, but Star he's played Wars. in enough good stuff. He's Ned Stark in Game of Thrones in season one. Um, Dies, but, but spoiler. Regardless <laughs> of his death. Uh, yeah, then he's in Lord of the Rings and his character Guys. you know has a thing but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Smiler>. <laughs> <laughs> anyways well, he's he, absolutely awesome so now I don't have to hate him for how he was typecast I just enjoy him as an actor it, good or bad because mm-hmm. how, like, I, I just love him
3: he's a very good actor yeah he's great well, what he, he I don't care what? if he
1: is the bad guy I still like him <laughs> I know right? he's done, what saying, yeah. like lately yeah is uh, since Game of Thrones he, has he been in anything that you guys I don't know think since of? Game of Thrones? I don't want to like break it? my internet. So I, I was really Alec. sad.
0: I was really sad, like um, you know, Sean Connery passing away. You know, yeah. Oh, that Alec. was devastating. Yeah, that was, you know, and then I one. didn't realize it. He did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and was that his last movie?
4: No. I. I think I it think actually. was 2006.
1: There's no way that was, was his last it? movie. I yet. don't know. I kind of remember hearing that also. Yeah,
4: it 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 shocking. I I, I, th- I think that that's an underrated. A lot of people hated that movie. I liked that movie.
1: I actually. He I, played Alan Quarterman. It, it
4: might I shock you, Kara. Like when you're done, look up Sean Connery's what, movie. What didn't but, you like about it? Do you like the source material better than the
1: conglomeration that it became? Well, okay. So I think I, that's the common problem that people have with it. I, I didn't read the comic books until after I had already seen the movie. I just disliked the movie on its own merits.
4: Oh, okay, well that's
1: fair. Like I that hit me right it came up right after high school for me. It had
4: Sean Connery in it. It was, like, this fun, random, like, whirlwind action thing or whatever. It was completely nonsensical. Yeah. But I was, like, on board. It kind of hit me like a, like um, the Van Helsing film that came out around the same time. Right. it's like, they took something that was really established and basically just took the
1: name. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, did yeah. whatever they wanted with it. There are a lot of parallels, now that you mentioned it, between Van Helsing and the League I, I, I feel, general. like, stylistically it was pretty similar, too. Yeah. So, like,
4: so I was, like, that was sort of, like, the, my mindset in in that time frame. What right. did you say last movie was? I thought it was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen.
3: You're right. He's okay. d- he did voice work after
2: that. Oh. I think that counts.
0: It depends on how big I mean, the role is. If he's like wait. if he's like um Owen Wilson in Cars, that's act like that's but if
4: he's oh, like uh, The Untouchables, that's a classic. So, oh sorry, yeah, that is a, that chance, is a good movie. Sorry.
3: There was a thing called Sir Billy where he played Sir Billy, the well, voice that actor. Like a starring yeah. to
1: me. You know, was it, Can I see the image for that? Because yeah, so I checked that out. I think I saw it on Netflix or something, and I was like, "Man, this looks really terrible." And so (laughs) I watched some of it, and it was really Really terrible. terrible. Yeah, and and my wife and I were like, "How did they get Sean Connery to be in this?" We didn't get very far into it. Yeah, it was it was bad. So
3: otherwise, he did he did from Russia with Love, the video game voiceover in two thousand five.
1: Whatever.
3: But the last time he appeared.
4: Himself, Sean Connery. Uh, Sean
3: Connery in a film was yeah. the League of Extraordinary well, Gentlemen. So when year did that come out? I thought it was two thousand three.
4: Oh, three. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that what loud. shocked me
0: was because it's like he was in Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade, but that was already way back in the nineties. You know, yeah. and so it's like you see him, and
4: I just I can't, I can't believe that was the last movie he did. But I mean, yeah. I was in, he was in Time Bandits, right? I don't remember. Um, what but you that what I, either. Don't watch Time Bandits. It's wet. Wha- I say that there's a certain segment of the population I can see that would like it. I, I'm pretty sure he was in there, and what I was year like, would that have been? Oh, like the '80s, like early '80s. Man. It's a
1: Terry Gilliam movie. Oh, okay. You know, I was trying to place it. I've never seen it, but I've been told I, to watch it. I've it's heard. it's it, it's one of those things where, like, if you're high or oh, something. Oh yeah, there it, he is. It, I mean, is, that, is he in it?
3: Yeah, he's King Agamem- yeah, Agamemnon. Agamemnon.
1: I really I, I do man. really like Terry Gilliam movies. So, so you would probably like speaking. it, like because it's it's out there. Yeah. I mean um, even his uh you know, because he has some some very well reviewed movies that I, of course, enjoy. And I even like his his poorly reviewed movies <laughs> just because they're so weird, you know? Yeah. And they have that weird like everything is just like tilted and fisheye and everybody looks all well, crazy. Yeah, I um uh, I, mean.
4: I I went to college with a couple of people who I would classify <laughs> as like people that like the they're the weird people stuff or the weird yeah. stuff people. Yeah, And it's like I know for a fact that this would be something they would groove on. It's just like I feel like those type of people always end up suggesting,
1: like, stuff to me, and it's like, this is just too wacky, I just want something that makes sense, please. Yeah. I don't know, have you ever seen Brazil? No. That's one of his earlier ones. I've still never seen Brazil. I've heard about Brazil. Apparently it's really good. So. So...
4: Uh, so are we digging too deep for yeah, you?
2: Guys? No, yeah, sorry. No, 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 <laughs> no, like, where, where even a, are we in the tangent? It seemed like there was a, a
4: bunch of stuff, but so no, the only thing. I've Oh, heard this about. is people on on Twitch saying hi to each other.
0: Oh, funny. Okay, um, but no. So, Sean, what had shocked me about that? Why I was pretty sure that was his last movie was because he was offered Lord of the Rings. Oh, and he was he turned it down. Sean
3: Connery was offered the role of Gandalf.
0: But oh my he god, great! Yeah. So his last big like effort, he's like, all right, I'm gonna do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and Oof. that movie flopped. Yeah. So that. Made him
1: so angry, he just noped right out of acting. Man, I can't even imagine Sean Connery playing Gandalf. Yeah, right? You you shall not (laughs) pass. Right, actually. He's Uh, so, like, I don't know. He's just so, like, memeable, you know? And, and, like, Ian McKellen is, like, he didn't really seem like Ian McKellen. He seemed like the character. And like He,
3: oh, my gosh. He slayed it with Gandalf.
1: Yeah, he did. So I'm I'm happy with the way way things went.
4: the, (laughs) The interesting thing about Sean Connery, like, he, like, he occupies, like, two spaces in my mind, but there's a huge gap of time in between. So he's James Bond, which is, like, the late 60s to early 70s. Mm-hmm. And then he was in that one Indiana Jones movie in, like, 89 or whatever. And then <laughs> he was already Gentleman in 2003. So there's, like, these two massive gaps in time. Where he doesn't occupy any space, and like I know he was in Highlander or whatever. Entrapment. There was quite.
3: There's quite a uh, for
4: October.
1: October. Yeah, yeah. I never saw that, but I know
4: that he was in it. Oh, so Untouchables again. So like, I know he's been in stuff, and I've seen the Untouchables, and it's really good. But like, in my mind, he really only occupies these three spots, and they're like literally like 20 years apart. Right.
1: Yeah. Every time. That's true. Like, what did what did he really do between James Bond and? Indiana Jones. There I is really quite a
3: bit a of stuff. Actually, probably. probably a lot. I think
4: *Untouchables* was early '90s. Well, so that was right after Indiana Jones.
0: Oh, Chris okay. has a game where you guess the over/under for how many movies somebody's been in, and happened. versus Sean Connery. And it's versus specifically Sean Connery because he's in more than
1: what you'd think. Really? Okay, so really like, quick.
3: How many years do you think is between *The Untouchables* and *Indiana Jones*?
1: 30, 30. Three. No, <laughs> probably not a lot.
3: It's just two years. Yeah, like, like, yeah
4: like, what did you say? That's a three. Like, I, said three. Like, I, guess, I think Indiana Jones was like 89 or 90.
3: And then he was in the and Presidio. Talking,
4: yeah. Never saw that.
3: And memories of me.
4: Yeah. Um, but Brad says Connery has a hard time pulling off humility. I think that's why he's such a good yeah. James Bond.
3: Like, yeah. He, that's he true. was
1: just like, I am better than everyone around me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I don't. I don't think he would have put like the heart into Gandalf. You right. know, he would have just been like showing off. Yeah, so he I, I he, really agree with that. If, if
4: you like swag, Gandalf, that
3: would have
4: been <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. swag. Walking so, around with
3: like a gentleman's cane, not like a big old staff. You yeah. know,
0: do <laughs> you know how we got here? Does anybody? I know. Does you know how we Key got? Pleasure. Well, he brought up he's brought up trilogies.
4: Yeah, oh, that's oh, right. yeah. yeah. way mm. back there. And uh, um, I think the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was supposed to be a trilogy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. God, that sounds right. That sounds loft, right. But, um, no, we
0: were talking about, so like, Back to the Future, I had only watched them a couple times as a kid, and then when we re- back and rewatched them recently, I used to love 1 and 3, but then now I love 1 and 2 are really fantastic, and then 3 starts to, you know, it's just the, that'd be the weakest one if you had to remove 1 from the trilogy, but yeah. it's really a solid overall trilogy, but it was just, they're good. Yeah. Two, 2 is really good. I never, like, I just
4: hated the future part of it, but it's not as futurey as I remember it being when I went. If, and if, yeah, they're, they're not in the future as much as they like. It, I guess it might be about if, if you count alternate nineteen eighty-five as part of the future thing. It's like half of the movie, right? But right. if you count the actual future part, they're really only there for like a half hour. Yeah, it's not very. Yeah, yeah. that
1: it's was good. actually the two was actually my favorite growing up. Really? The, yeah. alternate nineteen eighty-five really kind of captivated me. I like mm-hmm. alternate reality uh, yeah. stories. Um, even as a kid I did. So yeah, I was really into two as a kid.
3: I liked three Cowboys.
0: Well, it was just, it was, it was fun. Right. And it, but mm-hmm. you know,
4: I guess like, so the, this is where it falls apart for me when it goes to three. So like, the, the, I really do love the movie still. Yeah. yeah, It's a great but, movie. So the, there was something so, like, there's something powerful about certain decades. Like night, the 1950s has a distinct stamp that you can say that is 1955. Mm-hmm. 1980s has a distinct stamp you can put it's like this is the mid 80s right yep. so you have these two powerful tent poles that you're like sort of building this around and you're going back and forth between and seeing how much has changed over 30 years or whatever right and a decent amount of people are alive to have experienced both of those inv- events, right? As soon as you add in 1885, you go back a hundred years from the beginning part of it. Mm. You sort of lose that actual connection to like. There's not any people that experienced 1885 and 1985, really. Yeah, you know, it's like you find one person who's like 115 years old in 1986 or something that like would have a, a memory of what the 1880s and the 1980s would be to make that mm-hmm. comparison. And that so like, and that's where it's sort of like. It felt like they just decided to pick something that was like convenient. Okay, it ends in 80, eighty-five. It's a distinct era, but it's not something that has like I feel like you can go from like eighteen seventy to about nineteen oh five in the West, and it's all going to feel the same. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's like distinctly. This is the
1: eighteen eighties. And it, I think for that reason, like the third movie in my mind doesn't really fit with the other two. It's just kind of like the outlier, and yeah. it, you know, it's it's a satisfying end to the story and everything like that but like it doesn't feel as interconnected as the Mm -hmm. first two like the first two in my mind because I watched them when they were both already out feel just like inseparable like they feel like two parts of the same story and the third one is like let's try something different so it just doesn't quite work as well for me yeah I I feel like if they would have done
4: something like the 20s like 1925 or something
3: that would have been mm. cool. It would have felt
4: a little more cuz there's a little bit more there's a little more association like the like the 20s to me have a distinct feel to them. You know, it's like you get like the mobsters going on, and like mm-hmm. we're just coming into like the Great Depression, and the Prohibition is happening. Mm-hmm. Like there's all this stuff well, you can I'm touch d- on, like they'd be like oh, we can't find the gas, and then like, we also can't find the alcohol to power this thing or whatever, you know, because it's Prohibition, and they have to try and like make a speakeasy or something to that, whatever. That
3: would have been cool. I don't um, know,
4: just like just like nitpicking is, classics, but my next thought: we've got plenty
0: of time. that's just <laughs> made me kind of like laugh a little bit. Here is. So we're closest to the '80s, and we're somewhat close to the '50s. So if we put ourselves back, right, the further you go back in time, in like my mind, we go back to like the 1900s, and then it then it goes back by like centuries at a time. Mm-hmm. Then it goes back by like 500 years at a time. You go back to like the Dark Ages. Yeah. So if you grew up in like 1550, do you think? The 50, you'd be like, oh, man, your parents would be like, oh, the 1520s were so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, no, like not, not much like, changed, you know, right? I it's don't like... know. What, what is it when they look back, did it feel like the thousands were, you know, like... <laughs> Decades or centuries apart, you know, it's like, man, I really missed the candlelight age. Or whatever.
2: I don't know.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, I feel like not much was changing decade All to right. decade. I don't back know.
3: every generation thinks their generation is better than the, the last or, or the or right. the next one. Yeah,
4: well, I think that I think that is a modern viewpoint. I don't think people had the luxury of retrospection. Yeah. Maybe like not. in the in the 1550s, you're like, I got to get these rats away from me and try to make this weed grow. That's <laughs> right. all you were worried about,
2: yeah.
1: well, know, like, like, yeah, the, no. Until
4: the Industrial Revolution and everything like that, where we started having like really condensed city centers and like people are like, you know, like we get like a more modern looking economy where you can have the ability to like, I guess you know, maybe in the Renaissance and stuff like that, where people were like really like thinking about stuff or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, most of humanity is just about surviving. <laughs> yeah. um, when you, so when you think about it that way, you know, we've always
0: heard the statistics like some people can be like some people are alive that existed before the airplane exists. And then within the span of, a, you know, 100 years, we've sent someone to space. And we've done this. Imagine being able to summarize a period of time by a decade instead of a century. You know, so if you look back. The 1500s. How long did it take for them to reach, you know, or build a castle or do something, right? Yeah. And like, you know, even some projects in Italy were like the pan- Pantheon or the part. How long did it take to build that thing? Oh, I don't know. Really or oh, like just architecture, right? So you're no summing idea. that up over the course of Wait, 40, oh, well, well, pyramids were generations like, they took to build. Generations, right? And then we can break up the past hundred years into decades. That's kind of neat. Like yeah. distinct time periods. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. in like
4: the twenties, the thirties, and the like, they're all having. I I think if you look at like the like the course of human history, you see like it's super obvious, like technological advancement, it's exponential growth, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a lot alongside of like how we decided like break things up because like even the difference between like the internet in 2005 versus the internet in 2015
1: oh cell yeah. phones man well and i, w- I was actually going to bring up cell phones because when you think about like the advent of the smartphone was mm-hmm. what like around 2009ish well, or something
0: 07.
1: okay so then they're kind of ubiquitous by like 2009 10 11 and uh like if somebody was to bust out a, a flip phone now, it would like seem ancient. It's like yeah. that's only ten years old. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not very old. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, again, what blows my mind is um, and this is just for G Wiz thing, I used to have a Motorola um, like Razer. smartphone. Well
2: oh. I, like the
0: Q is what yeah, it was yeah, called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it had a little trackball, it was like a knockoff Blackberry, but it had GPS and that blew my mind. Yeah, and that was before the iPhone. And I could send it was like a little mini computer, and I could send pictures with it. That was just pre-2007 like 2006 ish Mm. And I switched to Sprint. It was a big mistake The service was garbage at the time. Sprint's part
4: of T-Mobile now. I know it is. I know. Mm -hmm. We're on
0: their network as we speak (laughs) um, Which is really
4: funny But I uh, I just need to do a really quick thing. I make fun of Thelmany for being on um, on T-Mobile because that's like it's the drug dealer cell phone network or whatever Cause like it used to be one of those like burner pays to yeah, go yeah. type of things until it grew into a real network. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what every time he calls, it, it was like, oh hey, you paid up on your drug dealer phone. Good job.
0: <laughs> well, the only thing is so, like AT and T was secretly raising my rates, and then they were customer service was absolutely. I had a very frustrating experience. so I just them loose, and I switched to T-Mobile because I used to have Cell One, which then belonged to at and I had Cell
1: One, but yeah, Man, I have thought about Cell, day, one, as cell well. one Yeah, I haven't thought about that since 2005. Yep. Yeah, that was right.
0: So uh, this is just this is a tangent. I'll get back to what I was talking about. <laughs> I had there was a company that was in competition for Cell One called Sailor Two Thousand. Yep. I want okay. to say, and I had Cell Two Thousand, and my parents, everybody had it, and the service on them was garbage. Everybody wanted Cell One, and I remember I was been in the military since 2004 now. And so, so my coworkers had deployed to Hawaii. And I remember somebody bragging about the fact that in, with cell one, they had service in an elevator in Hawaii. And they're like, the door's closed, and I, my phone call didn't disconnect. Like, like <laughs> oh that God. was the deal. And so I heard that. I kindly convinced my mom. like, We have to switch to cell one. We can get cell service in an elevator. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes,
1: we've got to do this. And now you guys are live streaming yeah, on of the YouTube cell phone. off a cell yeah. phone. It's crazy. It's
0: ridiculous. And so, um, so the Motorola Q would send picture text messages. The Razor sent picture text messages. When the mm-hmm. iPhone first oh. came out, Could not send picture text messages. Do you remember? You could only hold like 20 texts at a time on the Razor. Oh my goodness, yeah. So, okay, so that's what's funny, right? You could text a picture, it was the size of a postage stamp, but you could still text one. But when the iPhone came out, you couldn't send a picture. And then a lot of people forget about there was no app store.
4: Yeah, because it was was straight SMS. You could not do MMS at all with the iPhone. And it was just the
0: native apps that came on the phone. And that felt
4: amazing. Yeah. pulling up weather, and then you got the calendar, and it looked so good. And there was the promise of, like, someday people will develop some apps that will do whatever you want. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have so many apps that it's oh like, my oh. my goodness. If, like we have, what is it? There's, like, the billionaire app where it literally just cost a million bucks, and it did nothing. Oh. And somebody bought it.
0: Wow. Well, there was wow. the, a the phone because the guy hated cell phones. He made the Send Me to Heaven app. So using oh. accelerometer in the phone. So you'd throw it up and then it would measure how long the hang time was. And when it came back down, so mm-hmm. it would get kids to throw their phone in the air to see who could throw it higher. And then eventually <laughs> and then no mess mess break. it break and then it smashes on the ground.
1: That's brilliant. And
0: so that was like that. It violated app. They eventually they figured it out and it violated their terms of service. Cause you can't make an app that encourages somebody directly to destroy their phone. I just, what people come up with, like I would have yep. never thought in a million years to like make that. But what makes me mad is last week we tried to order some pizza from Little Caesars or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had to download an app to like complete the checkout. And then they then because of unemployment and everything, they were closed cuz they didn't have enough employees. I hate I don't want an app for every fast food. We try. That's why use
4: DoorDash. Yeah, right, right.
0: We sometimes we'll catch McDonald's and there's a huge line on the way down. So I was like, oh, I'll get the app. I can order ahead. They don't let you order ahead until your GPS signal, your phone is in their parking lot because they don't want you ordering and then not coming to get it. What? So they make you be there, and it's like, well, then What's I might the as, as well send the drive through. It's so yeah. frustrating. It's well, so
3: yeah, sad. we did that one time. Yeah, we did ended up waiting that like I'm 20 here, yeah. minutes in the parking lot. I'm, Finally, Jeremy came, went in and he was like, um, I ordered food. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm watching
0: 25 cars pull out of the drive-thru. I deleted the app off my phone, reinstalled it just so I could delete it again. Like, that's how bad. <laughs> that's like, you're going to have to be deleted twice. So I, I hate that. Apps are just getting absolutely crazy. Yeah.
1: Um, I actually, I create usernames in as few places as possible. Yeah. You know, like, like. I don't know, I'm i can't yeah. think of an example off the top right. of my head. But no. whenever I try to order like Qdoba. Right. You know, I could have saved so much time by creating a username and a password, but the mm-hmm. amount of times I've ordered Qdoba right. since the pandemic started, I, I refuse to. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, no, I don't I don't need another freaking thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well even even just ordering pickup um, at a restaurant down the road, ordering yeah. pickup. It was like set up an account or or check out as guests, but you still have to put your name, your phone number, and your email
4: yeah, the only thing you don't I'm, do is make a passer to that point I'm you're paying right. I know
3: cash but- when we pick it up like or I'll pay now. I was gonna say I didn't pay. They just I, gave me the pizza. I, I, so I, I
0: paid. hope you paid. <laughs> <laughs> I paid. I paid, but I'm just saying, like it was like there's no reason you need any other information other than just like maybe a first name to Like literally like now.
4: when you make the phone call, they yeah. don't care. No, there's, yeah. My, my name's Mike, and I'll show yeah. up in 20 minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 And, like, and that's the way the world works for so long. It's like you just you could make a phone call, somebody would make something and just pray that somebody came to get it.
1: Yeah. Do you guys remember Mitch Hedberg, the comedian? Oh I love yes. Mitch Do you remember his donut bit where he's just like I don't need a receipt for a donut? I hand you the money, you give me the donut. Can you imagine his reaction to this world? It's like, you want a pizza? What's your social security number? (laughs) It's
2: like
1: like kind of ridiculous.
0: So, just because you brought him up. My favorite. So, it's like, um, if a a duck walked into a store and grabbed a loaf of bread, I'd let him go. (laughs) (laughs) The dog is forever in the push-up position. Sometimes I'm laying in bed and I think of a good idea. And my notebook's across the room. So, then I lay in bed trying to convince myself I'm not that funny.
2: <laughs> 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 I
0: His, I miss him so much. He's great. I wonder if a vacuum salesman has the same problem as a guitar salesman. Like, someone comes in and goes, Hey, man, let me try that Hoover.
1: Or, God, an escalator can never be broken. It can yeah. only turn into stairs. Yeah. And that's, like, that's the whole joke. It's yeah. a two sentence joke. I, and uh, it just moves on. It's uh, great. That's,
0: I there will, was a commercial for Water Your Hard to Reach Plants. Now, why would you make your plants hard to reach? <laughs> like, you know, it's, oh, it's so funny. He is.
3: You just, make them hard to reach so your cats can't eat them. Oh,
4: funny! Yeah. Stop bringing uh, logic into the conversation, Karen. Yeah, nobody wants
3: that. There, there may be a cat in my house that eats my plants, and I just want to strangle him.
4: Mm. Plants are unnecessary in a household. <laughs> I, I I love his donut. <laughs> anyway, so.
0: I bought a donut, and the guy tried to give me a receipt. It's like, no, man. <laughs> This is a one way transaction. <laughs> that's it. That's the exact yeah. line. Yeah. Oh like, my God. He's like, I'm not going to give you back your donut or whatever. I can't imagine
3: my back to start with a half eaten donut. I'd like to return this, please.
1: Right. Yeah. All yeah. <laughs> right. It's just, it's great. It's absolutely perfect. I still have two of his CDs, by the yeah. way. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Don't get yeah. rid of them. No, are... never. They're perfect.
4: Swanky says cats are unnecessary for a household to get a dog. They have a dog. We have a dog, a
3: golden retriever, and he's amazing, and I love him. No,
4: he's a begging fool and a rambunctious (laughs) tornado. I don't
3: like cats, Swanky, so I agree with you there. Cats
4: belong in the wild. Toby does not belong in the wild. He belongs exactly where he is. His begging... Oliver's the dog. Is it's gotten
3: ridiculous. worse since Chip yeah, came when he
4: came home. Jeremy is enabling it. I was over there yesterday, is. and like the dog's begging, and Jeremy's just like feeding him loaves of bread. And, and who it. was yelling
3: at
0: Jeremy? So, well, okay. So first off, it was reheated French dips, so the bread was extremely crunchy, like too crunchy mm. for me. And so like dogs toast. are really cute when they crunch stuff, and it like makes a. <laughs> and so that's what he was doing with his long dog schnoz, and he's. Just it was adorables and like just be cute and here you go feed you tons of bread well that's why he's
3: begging yeah (laughs) and then
4: he begs and then Jeremy's like the begging's out of control (laughs) (laughs) well I I want him to be there to eat food when so you either die the hero or live long enough to become the
1: villain. I know and we're (laughs) back at the dark night yes perfect
0: (laughs) That, that reference um a that joke was super awesome. And when I did the you know you've made it joke, I was gonna say I was gonna sneak in a Star Wars reference and say, Of course I know him. He's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was super funny. So while I picked up your books, Keith, we had you come down on the podcast today. So just yes. you, you want to talk about these for a little bit? Just fill us in about like inspiration or how they're
1: you sure. know just
0: talk about it, or what it was like to make a book. What was the like man? Is make... this your first this is your first book ever? Or my yes. completely out of
1: the field? The horror anthology handbook is my first book ever. And the much smaller Red Betty and the Murder Frond is my second book ever so the first one is nonfiction. the new one is fiction uh, books are hard to write but <laughs> so but they're not impossible to write I think anyone can be a writer so every we, writer we, ever says that well can anyone we talk can about writer. It, Well, anybody can be a writer can we talk about the Dulucon thing yeah that, abs-
2: Yeah,
0: perfect.
1: Let's talk about the Dulucon thing. So at Dulucon, Mm -hmm. I would like to hold a panel um, where everybody gets to write a short story on the same topic. This is a thing that's been done at writing conventions for a while, and uh, people have had a lot of success for it. So you get everybody together in a group, and you say, all right, so we're going to have 40 minutes. I'm not sure how long the panels are this year at Dulucon, but (laughs) let's say we have 40 minutes, and everybody's going to write on the same topic, and this topic is, what if... Zombies invaded Dulucon this year. So we're all here. We're all in the same place. We're all writing about this place, and we're all Mm -hmm. writing about the same topic in this place. So let's see what collectively we can do, and whatever people write in that time period, I will collect and then transcribe in print and put out there as a free ebook. So another non-for-profit thing.
2: Oh, that's uh, cool.
1: The whole philosophy behind it is that, like, regardless of your ability level or confidence level with this kind of thing, anybody can be a writer. Because it's not like... Like what we're doing here, right, like yeah. with video and, and film production, it's like that requires cameras and training mm-hmm. and expensive technology and, you know, all this all this different stuff. Like Good internet connection. Good internet connection. <laughs> yeah. All you need to be a writer yep. is a place to write, right? So you can go to the library yeah. and do it for free. J.K. Rowling. Is that where she, she wrote at the library? A napkins at a cafe. A coffee wow. Shopper. Coffee shop. That's insane. So, yep. like, all you need is just the confidence and time to do it. So that's what we're gonna to try to do a Dulucon. and I kind of feel that way about these books. I mean, they're hard; they're they're a ton of work. But like, if you're up for something difficult and putting a ton of work into it, you can write a book too. They're oh, not impossible. What? Keith yeah, did so um, the uh, covers uh, in there promo for it. Oh, Brownie has this picture too. Oh my god! I, I had it up the whole time you were talking. Actually. Oh no way! I didn't. I didn't was. look I at the like, picture. Yeah, Attack of the like, Doolukan Zombies. So we're gonna see if we can oh, uh, make this happen awesome. this year.
3: awesome.
1: Yeah, so, you guys oh, wait, can all write books. One? Uh one? That's one that I'd like to write. That's why I wrote coming soon-ish. <laughs> <laughs> so, Is this a coming soon question mark? <laughs> you, you, you might
0: have noticed this, but that has been my thing. It's not that old for me, but I just add ish to so yeah. much I say now. Oh, yeah. Because I am habitually late, and, just, and having a kid makes it way more difficult oh, to be on yeah. time. Oh, yeah. So now it's just I just add ish onto stuff just to it's like oh what time you can be down there four ish <laughs> right what do you want to work on today one or two things ish
1: just like yeah. uh, in Toy Story two Ham he's like at pre- precisely eight thirty five ish yeah <laughs> I don't know if anybody else remembers that moment but it's like one of my favorite moments uh, I, I I
0: love it. Toy Story is so is. So oh. It's such a classic film.
1: And we're back to trilogies. Yeah, I know we're back to <laughs> trilogies.
4: Oh, yeah. Um You know what unfinished trilogy everyone's waiting for the third part to? What? The Bible. Aha! Do you have a button for that, don't you? Do I it's one of these. Uh let's go this one.
2: Who knows what sound I just made? They can hear us. We can't. Oh
4: yeah. Yep. I think that was a sad trombone. It could have been people clapping. Let me know in the chat. I hope it was sad trombone. I have not memorized these.
0: Um, As soon as it tips to the, almost to the top of the hour here, why don't you, people take some questions. If you have any questions, (coughs) Keith, type them in and ask them now. Anything you want to know about this guy. um, We'll, we'll write him in. Probably nothing. The the two books, the two movies, like, um, and you've already already said it, but we'll be able to share if you're interested. Um, Will your website, do you have a link to the movies?
1: Oh, yes. I have not updated what's my the, website in a little while. What's the one-stop shopping somebody can so, remember from you to see all the stuff you work on? Hexagonmotionpictures.com, but I really need to get on that and put new stuff on there cuz I haven't really updated it in like 6 months and I've been busy. <laughs> so there's nothing on there that's new, but that's a good motivator. So I'm yeah. like, now I got to go on it. Now you can put a link to your, your book. Yeah.
0: And uh, like where to buy it. You can have a link yep. to uh, the Grave Digger Dave's 2 when it comes out. It'll yep. be streaming on Vimeo more like, most likely, but could be YouTube. Probably um, But that way people, you know, if they want to get an update on, hey, I wonder, I saw Keith a while ago. I wonder what he's working on, you know.
1: Yeah. That's where they can go. I'm findable. HexionMotionPictures.com.
4: Find Brad and... wants to know why uh, Matt Rasmussen hasn't been on to build the Ecto-1. Ooh, oh, well, that's a good question. Well, so so <laughs> I've talked,
0: Keith, you're not... Super crazy, but Legos, you know, there's the Batmobile came out. Oh, yeah. Well, we've got all the helmets, and they have a Batman cowl. We've oh, got, nice. They just came out with it, and it's Batman, and it, it looks incredible. It That's looks awesome. It looks really, really cool. So every yeah. time I see Batman stuff, I think of you now. And then whenever well, I see you. Ghostbuster stuff, I think of Matt. That's and so perfect. they made the Ecto Cooler, and so I had messaged Matt. I was like, Matt, we'll get it. You come down, we'll build it together, you and me. We'll have a,
1: Ooh, well, we'll, we'll nice. have a day
0: together. And he goes, <laughs> already got one. He already had one, <laughs> but he said he would love to come down and build it again. So. That's awesome.
1: Uh, I, so, I feel like we're headed towards a, like a Ghostbusters Renaissance. Oh where it's yeah, like, there's yeah. going to be so much Ghostbusters stuff out there, so mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome for everybody, especially Matt Rasmussen. Yeah. But, but also everybody else. Yeah. Uh,
0: now it's it, I, I, there's so much things that just come out that I can't believe separates me and my money. But it, it like it, it, Star Wars is cool, and there's stuff I can turn away. Mm. But there's the helmets. Like, I said when I saw the... Oh, I'm like, look at these cool helmets. These Star Wars Lego helmets. I'm like, a full set of them is going to cost a, like 150 bucks.
1: So I mean, I, they're I super like, cool looking. I was though.
0: like, I'll buy one. But then I bought another one. And then I bought another one. So then it's like, before I know it, I have the full set. So Matt, <laughs> he can experience that with Ghostbuster stuff.
4: Like, yeah. You know, take his money. They do.
0: <laughs> but they just have to have, um, you know, uh, anything to do with Ecto Cooler as well. Just... I, was, yeah.
4: I My question is like, how much would it cost to buy like the formula for it so you can just make it yourself? Oh man, well, probably infinity dollars. They're with, not selling that. Well, so but if they're not going to sell, it, why do they not produce it? Is the question. I I think they are
1: going to produce it again. I tie it into uh, afterlife. I, yeah, I mean, I I bet whatever little money I could on something <laughs> like that that they will. <laughs>
3: You know what we should do? We should do a mock of an ecto-cooler juice box. Oh,
1: oh that, would, would, be that cool. would be really cool. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. for 80 bucks. Yeah, yeah right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
3: it had to be pretty big if you want to get all the detail in it and everything. But <laughs> that would, I think would be, be cool. You could probably
4: awesome. do a one-to-one scale and fake it decently well enough, yeah, I think. Betcha.
1: It makes me wonder why Lego isn't like doing that. That's a yeah. like, perfect idea yeah, for a that's kid. Fun. That's
4: probably a licensing nightmare. Well, I mean,
1: yeah, like, they, they
0: crossed the bridge with the car. Yeah. Car. Yeah, but
4: the the license holder for the car isn't the same license holder for the drink. Yeah. What? Oh, Hi-C. Yeah.
1: Right. And who owns Hi-C? Coke, I think. Oh uh, yeah, that sounds right. So.
3: Man. I'm surprised Lego doesn't have a contract with Coke.
1: Let me cool. build a like Coke bottle. That'd be
4: Yeah, sweet, that would right? be cool. Or like the, on, during Lego. Christmas
3: time, the polar bears with a Coke bottle.
4: Oh My yeah. sister used to get uh, those Coca-Cola polar bears mm-hmm. every year for Christmas. Oh, the stuffed animals? Or? Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a whole bunch of them. That's super cool. Um, any questions coming in? Anything? Nope, yeah, nobody no. wants to know anything Chad about has been Keys. So Cricket. Quiet more today. people are asking about Matt
2: Rasmussen.
1: <laughs> well, that's why Matt Rasmussen stars in movies and I don't. <laughs> nobody, I mean, nobody cares about the director of the movie. They care yeah. about the star. So like,
4: uh, Ivan to get out of here. We want <clears> Dan Aykroyd. Exactly. <laughs> not, exactly. Not, to like,
0: not to hurt anybody's feelings, but Chris, you were talking about a very specific group of people who were weirder. I just kind of, like, I associate people who, this is not gonna, ever going to come out right, but when people lift list off directors as, like, more importantly, be like, oh, have you seen the new, um, who did Grand Budapest Hotel? Oh. Wes Anderson? Yeah. yeah yes. It was yes. Wes Anderson. Yeah. I was excited for Isle of Dogs, and somebody said, oh, that's the new Wes Anderson movie. And I was like, no, it's the new Isle of Dogs movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, well, I so, know the director's important. So
4: here, like, so weirdos are into directors
1: is what you're well, saying. No, so it's it, not my wheelhouse, right? Uh, it, yeah, it, it boils
4: down to whether or not you th- you think that movies should be classified as art tour or as independent of the creator. So see, it's, That's it's, fun. Th- this right? is all like film theory stuff that I took yeah. in, in college, so it's like, you could say that, like, this is the new work of this person. If, like, so for example, when I say a Quentin Tarantino movie, you know exactly what kind of movie Correct. it's going to be. When yeah. I say oh, a yeah. Michael Bay movie, when you say a Wes Anderson movie, you know yeah, what they're yeah. going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. that's why people will say that because you're shortcutting yeah. and you're associating their body of work as important to understanding what the movie is going to be like. Yeah. Man, this is quite the thesis, Brown. <laughs> you got to write this all down. The, the, this is pre established. I'm just regurgitating stuff I, I paid money to learn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But then, on the other hand, when you're saying it's like you know it's the new Isle of Dog mo- Dogs movie, that's when the 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 basically the other side of this coin is the audience ownership of a work, right? Right. So, in Star Wars is a classic example of this. Actually, when people are complaining about what the next Star Wars movie should be or George Lucas fiddling with his work, or whatever, do you believe that the director is more important and should be able to execute his vision? to the point that he thinks it's complete to, or do you think that once it's released it belongs to the audience and the audience mm-hmm. uh, can I mean, turn it into whatever they want to? I mean, honestly... Uh, option B. So, so a lot of people, a lot of people follow that option B category where, like, once it exists, it shouldn't be touched, and then it just becomes a work to be parsed by and reinterpreted by and memed by the people who enjoy it. Yeah. Where there are people, like, so... When you look at it like in a, like a book format or something, like does an author ever go back and rewrite a chapter of a book without telling anybody? I mean, yes. there are
1: there are editions. No, you can. So I'm I'm self-published. Right. But I'm I self-published through Amazon and, Bar- and Barnes and Noble. Um, and I was actually just reading about this today on Amazon. You can go and change your book. You can upload a new version of your book. And the question was, do the reviews go away? And no, they do not. Right. So, like, somebody could potentially like have a bunch of like positive reviews on this like heartwarming novel and then go in there and upload a new version of the book and write just have F bombs and whatever, any horrible thing they wanted to. And the reviews would stay. So, people would be like, I love this novel. It's great for your kids. But then somebody new goes to buy it and it's not the same novel that
2: those yeah. users
1: reviewed. Um, so, well, they're allowing like re authorship on a much like greater level than. What Star Wars did because yeah. like with the special edition, everyone knew like it was advertised like this is a different movie. Yeah, well, that's, um,
4: this is a little bit more emergent in terms of like the way that things are delivered too. <laughs> like it used to be like Star Wars. You had to either go watch it in the theaters or buy the copy of it, right. like a physical, unchangeable copy.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Right. Um, Unless you record it over with like Sesame Street episodes or something. <laughs> right. Just right. A, this is another story. But uh, like yeah, with with digital distribution and everything, and the ability to go back in and like without basically any effort to be able to make alterations like that, right? That's interesting. Well, and, you
1: know the intention is that you um, you just had oh, a light yeah. bulb.
0: No, no, no. I'm, I'm off topic. It's tangent. <laughs> okay, should I keep on
1: going? <laughs> keep going. Yeah, I'll come back. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. So the intention is it's like if you like catch a typo or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sure if like. Amazon's algorithm or maybe there are like actual people who are going in and checking the books. You know, if you did something like ridiculous like what I was talking about, they'd probably catch it and like flag you and Mm -hmm. get you kicked off. So I think the intention is for like typos Mm -hmm. to fix that. But I, I think the question of like authorship, like what you're talking about, like, Does it belong to the audience once it's out there, or should you be able to continue tinkering with it and call it the same thing?
4: We've actually got some comments which are kind of interesting. So first, link says, Michael Bay equal explosion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Michael Bay explosion!
4: Um... Uh, Brad says uh, I feel like once you know how things work behind the scenes it changes how you see things does Keith watch
1: movies like he did as a kid or is it more like paying attention to camera angles and editing so that's a question for you it actually I have to watch a movie a few times usually before I start thinking about it as a filmmaker and I was actually just watching Toy Story 2 today um, and I've seen that movie so many times that like I can just watch it and only think about like the cuts and the angles and the script but generally speaking when I'm watching something for the first time I'm only kind of watching it as a viewer which is great because I don't want to be like sitting there like doing homework when I watch something. Mm -hmm. So it's good like to get immersed in something. But then if I'm like, all right, well that was really interesting. Let me pick it apart, you know, watch it a bunch more times and then really try to figure out like, what maybe could I try and, like, rip off from this or learn yeah. from this or, you know.
4: It's kind of fun. I watched Toy Story 1 last night mm-hmm. when I was going to bed. Um But I, so I'm kind of, like, the opposite. Unless a movie, like, so the, the grade of a movie to me is how much immersion I have. Mm-hmm. I go into stuff and, like, just because of all of the theory training that I went through in college, like, and, like, the dissection of stuff, because we were, we – I did um, theoretical analysis of, like, 50 movies throughout the course of my college career, so it was just, like, constantly, like, picking stuff apart. If I can be immersed in something and not be thinking about it analytically, that's when I'm like, oh, crap, this is an awesome movie. Mm. Otherwise, it's like, I'll be like, they jump the line. Oh, this guy is setting up whatever. Oh, that's the next position. It's like, okay, this character is going to come back and do whatever. You know, it's like all these things where it's like, because you've seen so much and done so much analysis, for me, that unfortunately just automatically has taken the privacy
1: of my viewership, which is kind of unfortunate. That's actually never happened for me. And in, in the horror anthology handbook, I, I like dissected like a hundred in horror anthology movies or maybe it wasn't a hundred, but it's a lot, mm-hmm. um, certainly over 70. And uh, so I would actually have to sit there with like a notebook and pen while I watch something to make sure that I was taking notes. Cause if I just watch it and, and say like, all right, well I'm going to pick out the parts later that I'd like to write about, it would, it would just wouldn't happen. Because I don't have that, like, analytical part on automatically. It's like I have to turn it on by Mm -hmm. writing while watching.
4: Yeah, and I think that's probably the same for, like, most people. It's just, like, that's just, like, the weird way that it hit me when I was doing it. But you are also, like, uniquely brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. That may or may not be the case. Um, So more comments. Uh, Swanky says uh, works belong to the person wanting to tell a story on their own terms. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of the auteur side of it. Yep. Uh, Clone Watch on YouTube. I think this is the first time they commented. Oh, they commented twice? Dang, sorry oh. it's taking us a minute to get to your Hello. comments. Um, Hello. I'm more in the middle. The creator should be able to change stuff, but as long as the original version or ne- each new version is still available, that's interesting. Like, Yeah. Like, and that's the thing that kind of, like, George Lucas made people mad. It's like, this is the new version, the old versions don't exist anymore, yeah. essentially. Yeah. What, um, did, he,
1: oh. what did the previous commenter say again? Um, uh,
4: Belongs to the person wanting to tell a story on their own terms. So in that case, you'd be
0: like George Lucas always owns the right to tell Star Wars the way he sees fit.
4: I'm still thinking about it. Um, Let it kick around for a second. I got a couple more comments to get to. Clone Watch goes on to say like Disney Plus should have the Lucas cut of the original trilogy, but also the theatrical. They should. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's the part
0: of it that makes me frustrated. Is I want to be able to have access to the pre change because that means something to me too. Mm -hmm. Or you could like it's just nice to compare and contrast. But while more comments are coming in, my Eureka moment from a little bit ago was we started talking about directors and stuff like that. So it's like, I do love like Kevin Smith movies or, um, you know, like a clockwork orange. I don't even know who directs it, but I know that that person, Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick, you know, like, he's got... Who did 2001 A Space Odyssey? Stanley, Stanley Kubrick. So, okay. So, like, that's... Uh, <laughs> like, um, those are... But anyways, so what I was getting at was... Um, what I was thinking about is everybody's asking about Matt. I was going to say that based off of that information, I'd probably be on the other side of the screen asking about Matt, too. Because when I go to movies, we were talking about, like, Sean Bean earlier. The actors have a huge imprint mm-hmm. on me. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it was like, but they wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the original idea that they're expressing outwardly, which is kind of fun. And that's why... I used to love sequels, but now it's like we would never have some of my favorite things if, in a way, we were like broke out of the mold and made new content. Yeah, it's, so it's like you know
4: we're breaking into something that it, we'll just put a pot. Are you going to talk about that? The, I don't. I don't. I don't know.
1: I, I had an idea, but I don't know if it's the
4: same. Well, you say something, and then I'll stop you if I think it's the topic we're going to jump into for a second
1: because I have one more okay. thing I want to say. But you go ahead and start. Well, I mean, I've been listening to a lot of filmmaking podcasts that say that. um, actors do not sell movies the way they used to. Like, it used to be like, oh, let's go to the new Tom Cruise oh, movie. interesting. Now yeah. it's more about the intellectual property. So if it's Marvel or Star Wars. Yeah, that's
4: so funny. that does not yeah. in. So, like, we're getting into the – we we've entered a world where there's no – like, so people have talked for a long time about how there's, like, no middle class, right? There's, like, you're either, like, lower class, poor, ultra-wealthy, right? Like, the middle mm-hmm. class has vanished. Sure. The middle class of films has kind of vanished. Like, that $30 million budget, like – yeah. Things so it's like you either have like these ultra low budget <laughs> films that maybe people don't know to look Ooh, for that sort of like fill in the gaps of like the the new IPs, and then you have these massive tentpole things where they're going to make fifty movies out of it mm-hmm. because they know they'll make money. But like you miss out on things like we wouldn't like
1: it would be really hard to make the Terminator right now. I was going to say yeah, that. but I I think that stuff like that exists. It's just not. They they don't exist as these like big Hollywood movies anymore. They're they're on TV. They're on Netflix and Amazon. That's true. TV is filling a
4: big gap there. Right.
1: So it's like stuff like that's still being made. And also independently, you know, you have those like middle budget, um, you know, sci fi action horror movies that are still being made. But they're not being made by Warner Brothers and, and, you know, Columbia Pictures. They're being made by like these other companies that are maybe a little harder to find because of the like overwhelming amount of content out there
0: yeah i I really like the thought process going down the road of how yeah you used to go to see a movie for the actor and now you go see it for the ip because it was like solo or any of the star wars movies i went to it because it was solo not because of any main lead but then look at marvel right now everything hot on disney plus is either star wars or marvel you've got captain and the winter soldier and you've got wandavision and it's all marvel intellectual property yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah, star wars and so that's kind of an interesting. Well,
4: thank thing. you for the sub, Sajad. If I pronounce that right, I apologize. Uh, said hi, bro. Subscribed and liked. We appreciate oh, it. Oh, well, thank you
0: so much. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then, as a tangent, this is just a funny story because I've like got a billion of them. You're talking about changing things um, and whatever, right? So the guy who made Ethereum is now the world's youngest rich... So the, the crypto yep. is the world's youngest billionaire at 26 or 27 years old. <laughs> and he. In high school, was playing World of Warcraft, and they changed a spell on him. It used to drain life and do damage, and they got rid of the, um, or would like heal and do damage. It was like a drain life move. Mm -hmm. They changed it, and that got him so mad, he quit WoW, and then he went and then learned about Bitcoin. And then it, like he would wrote a blog about Bitcoin and then people would invite him to work on crypto projects and he made his own Ethereum. So mm-hmm. it's like literally the fact that somebody changed, Blizzard <laughs> changed his wow, you know, inspired him to go off and do this crazy thing. So it's just a funny story about changing stuff. But I had seen a statistic that hit me really hard. This was even 10, 15 years ago. And it was like in the 50s and then even into the 80s out of the 10 blockbusters seven or eight of them would be new intellectual properties, mm-hmm. and one or two of them would be a sequel. And then in, like, 2010, nine out of ten are literally sequels or part of the same IP, and yep. one is, like, a new intellectual property. But it's like, Star Wars at one point was new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Batman at one point yeah. was new. Like, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have these cool things if nobody, like, breaks out of the norm.
4: Yeah. I, um, so i got a couple of comments to get to. So, um... Sajad says, I'm gonna tell my friends to sub. Thanks, dude. That's oh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Um, we appreciate it. We yeah, really we do. really interact, like we're an interactive podcast. So it's like you do, you do um, comment, we'll talk about it. Oh, and to yeah. You. Uh Brad says, uh, don't make me love something, then you take it back and change it. So again, so like yeah. there really is there is a divide between people that think that the author is the person who is in charge of everything forever, and it can make as many changes as they want, whatever. And then there's the people that are like, once it's out, it should not be touched anymore. Well, I and think it's really hard for like I can I see the validity of both sides, and I think it's harder if, if you're a creator. You want to be able to have the control over your thing. Like if something like if you can make a change that would make it better in your mind, it's like I should be able to change it, right? It's my thing. But at the same time, I the in the the spirit of like creative works and everything, it's like it's not really a thing until an audience sees it. Mm. Like my my. Uh, college professors were always like you, you can shoot as many movies as you want but they're not done until they screen sure right and it's like and as soon as they screen that's you know that's when it's not yours anymore it belongs to the audience and then however they respond to it and like whatever moving on from there it now is out in the public the the, the jar the toothpaste is out of the tube
1: yeah, I think there's an interesting divide though between something like, sorry, bump the mic, like a movie or a book, where the expectation is like, all right, well, once it's out, it's finished, versus an online game right. where it's like the, they, they're constantly iterating mm-hmm. and reiterating. Yeah, constantly. patches, level balancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, DLC. Well, what
0: you guys had just made me think of is what makes me angry is when I see a sequel to a game I love. The game can change and add new, but I hate it when they remove old mechanics. Mm. I have a perfect
4: and, example of this. And
0: it, it just makes me so mad because it, I... There's things that... People watch Star Wars and they like Chewbacca, or they might like R2-D2 and C-3PO. But you 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 don't, like, take those out of the next movie... You know, mm-hmm. so it's like when people do it to a video oh, game, there might sure. be a mechanic somebody, one person enjoys, mm. and a different mechanic somebody else enjoys, but then they have developers decide not to go there, so this game fires up. I've got many, many games, and it's like, hey, where's this thing I used to love about the first yeah. one, and it's well, gone. So, like,
4: so between Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2, your class mods, every class mod used to have a version that would give you ammo regeneration. Right? And then they made Ammo Regeneration the sole responsibility of the Gunzerker. Oh. And I hated that, because you're constantly going to the stupid vending machine to buy bullets. Yeah. Right? It's like, it just, it takes me out of the game. It's like, oh, it's, it's been three minutes, gotta go to the stupid ammo machine. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. So, like, if that's exactly one of those things. It's like, it was a core mechanic of the way that these things worked, and
1: then they took it away, and it was oh, really frustrating. It drives me nuts. I love this, the game, but... This makes me think of, like, what if you could approach a book the way you might approach, like, an online game or right. like, a YouTube video? So, like, you know, the book exists, and you can see what your analytics are, like, like a YouTube video. Like see, you can see, like, oh, people are watching here, and then oh, engagement just dropped off. So you have a book, and that happens. You're like, man, page 30, people just drop off. You Let just, me rewrite page 30. You just wrote an
3: episode uh-huh. of Black Mirror. Oh, oh yeah. Here's where I'm thinking. Yeah,
1: yeah that would be cool.
0: Somebody's reading a book, right? Then they're they're studying the analytics. So it's like, what point do a majority of the people shut the book, put it down, and walk away before they come back and finish it, right? Mm -hmm. How long in between when they close and reopen it? Right, right. Or if they
3: even come back and finish it.
0: You're always rewriting the book, you're You're always reiterating it. You just get this book that once somebody picks it up, It's like a drug. They can't put it down or whatever. Just like World of Warcraft. That's what I'm saying, man. That is like,
4: if you could could do it. Copyright Rise of the Podcast 2021. (laughs) That
0: is an episode of Black
1: Mirror. goosebumps. I don't want this to be an episode of Black Mirror. I just want it to be a way to edit a book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so one of the big distinguishing
4: things, and this is something that's, it's a completely different fight than like the auteur versus uh, audience thing. But when it comes to video games, it's like, at what point does the input of the player supersede the intent of the game? Right, right. right. So, because, like, you can set up a game for people to play or whatever, and they'll do stuff, so, but, like, if somebody breaks the game or whatever, like, obviously they want to patch it, but, like, when people make, like, um, like a Minecraft um, uh, machinima or something, right, they're not using the game to play the game anymore. They're using it to create, like, this other artistic thing. Right. whatever, so then, like, there's all these things, like, so Minecraft in particular is totally cool. With it is in their terms of service. So you can monetize it or whatever, but, like, you're using an ip to create something else now it's like is this like a remix thing how does this work whatever yeah so like with video games kind of touching on that but like there is a player input that makes the individual experience way different than just like watching a movie because you have to control what's happening we just
0: this is blowing my mind how fun this is it's thought provoking i love this stuff we're addicted to Mythic Quest, and it's a it's a TV show. Excellent
3: that just show! Came out, and it's like,
0: oh my god! I've not it's heard what, so what's good. it on. It's on Apple, Apple TV. Oh, Okay, yeah, I don't have it, that. <laughs> it is, the main character is Rob McKinney from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, cool! It's a fantastic show. It is so a freaking good. It's a episode, and this is like a breakout, and it is ridiculously in line with what we're talking about. And so it shows these game developers and these woman and this man, they fall in love over video game development, and she wants to make her own game. She wants to produce her own game. And he'd been producing games that are just garbage. So they team up, and she wants to make a game that you have, like, a flashlight, and you're constantly skirting death, and the only thing that's, like, protecting you is, like, this flashlight, but you never win. Like, you get far enough, and you just survive as long as you can until you die. And it became a huge success.
2: Mm.
3: Dark, quiet death, was quiet that the name? Quiet death
0: is what it was called. So... We're talking about Star Wars and the creator creating something, or once it's created and it belongs to the people. So the problem was they made the sequel, but then the play testers and everybody was saying all of these people who are consuming this game, they want these things in here. They want the ability to win. They want the ability to be able to use a gun and destroy the monsters, mm-hmm. but that got away from her vision. So it was no so, longer
3: dark you had to be yeah. had to be light enough so that she you could see the monsters um, to kill them
0: she kept giving up a piece and a piece and a piece to the people who are consuming it, mm-hmm. right? And then it became not her game anymore because how much of it had changed. So, like, they get a divorce because the husband was like, well, we got to listen to what the people want. Well, they end up uh, making a
3: movie out of it with...
0: Yeah, and it just goes off the rails. So it's like... This sounds awesome. I want to watch it's, it's a It's a fantastic yeah. show. That's one episode that's, like, its own thing. But it just made me realize it's like, you know, George Lucas made Star Wars... But if we let the people run it, I mean, is that what you get? Oh. Seven, eight, nine? Is that what happens? Like, you let the fans the, the, run it?
4: Yeah, because, like, everyone accused the sequel the the sequel trilogy <laughs> of being fan service. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a bunch of chat to get to I here. bet. Sorry, that uh, was just, like, a Well, cool no, it's, like, like yeah. we're getting into something that I actually have a big depth of knowledge <laughs> on. Like, Chris like, is like, <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> is, like, uh, like, I know surface yeah. level, whatever, but, like... This is the, the inch wide mile deep here yeah. for me. Um, so Swanky says, Is it wrong if someone decides to make change? Oh, oh, he said, Sorry, let me make sure that I say this exactly correctly. So it's wrong if someone decides to make changes to their stories, but it's all right if other people that love it get the rights and dun 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 <laughs> change it themselves. I think this <laughs> oh, is the Disney hit. That's <laughs> a good question, yeah. Um, uh, more cusser hider. Oh my God. I'm bad at pronouncing things. Sub through. Shizad. I was active. I will keep on following you. Dude. That's oh, awesome. I oh. yeah. uh, wish you the best. That's like, we Thank really you. do appreciate that. You guys are awesome. Um, Brad says, I think both are wrong. I wish Disney didn't get the movie and short rights. Yeah. So like, the, so the thing is like, no matter which side you take on the auteur versus audience debate, there's no right side. Yeah, they, exactly. Right. Like, and that's and that's the thing. It's um, like, the, it's like a lot of things. There's like sort of like a gray area in the middle. You just sort of have to be happy with. Mm-hmm. But nobody will ever be able to have a complete control, and nobody will ever be able to have uh, the final say that this is done and the audience owns it now.
0: I like making uh, crazy connections. So there was um, what the what I was thinking of in my brain was is we've got edgy uh, intellectual property or like this um, quiet dark game, right? Mm-hmm. And how it's very unique to this dark person. Quiet, dark yes. quiet. Dark, quiet death was the name of the game. And then how it gets to at the very (laughs) beginning. It reminds me of another statistic that I'd heard where uh, if you ask an individual person to guess the amount of jelly beans in a jar, no one's usually ever even close. But if you get like 100 or 1,000 or the more people you bring in, if you average out all of their guesses, it's almost always either spot on or within a jelly bean or two. So collectively... People are more intelligent than the average person collectively. But if you take that and apply it to artistic things like movies and art and video games, do we end up collectively grinding it down to being a simple? Well,
4: you get what I'm going? Yeah, no, I I do understand what you're saying. This is sort of related to that. Once you said, like, if you take all the average guesses, it gets pretty close to the right thing. Yeah. The reason why giant choirs sound amazing is you can have people that are sharp and flat and everything. The sounds mm-hmm. end up averaging out to sounding like the note it's supposed to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So potentially, if you have a bunch of people working on something together. Like, so I'll say this before I finish answering yeah. that question. Whenever you see a movie that says written by blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. It's probably not good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Except
1: with Pixar, yeah, yeah, because those so, movies are written by committee and they're yeah. they're great.
4: And so you know the difference between the word "and" and the ampersand, right? No. So if you use the word "and," it means we worked together. Uh, if it's an ampersand, it means that. So it'll be like written by Keith Hopkins and Chris Brown, ampersand Jeremy Mathy, ampersand Kara Mathy oh, means they did subsequent versions of it. right, right. Interesting. So, I actually didn't know that. I
1: did not. Know. Um,
4: but so like, I um you probably end up getting something that's not as impactful or more homogenized. The more people you have working on it. Right. But at the, I think there's a right balance between like, obviously like somebody could be in a bag. You could be George RR Martin and just lock yourself in a room and write song of fire and ice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have complete creative control over it, and it is exactly the vision that you have. But it might be something that's like completely inaccessible to some readers. If he had two or three people that he was like working with in concert with, it's like, well, let's make this a little bit more simpler, this so or that. They have that input, but it's maybe not as strong on its own legs now. That would make it a force that people that do like it, like really, really like it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like sacrifice the extremes to get to more of a middle. And I think that's kind of what happens, like when people are like, oh, this generic whatever. Uh, like when you talk about like a generic like TV sitcom, it's like they're just ad- they're just aiming for the lowest common denominator. That's kind of what you're doing. It's like you're cutting off the extremes and a- aiming for a wide right. audience so that it's appealing to more people, but not as intense. Mm. People like Seinfeld. There's some people that do love Seinfeld, but people like Seinfeld. A lot of people just like it, right? right. But there are people that absolutely freaking love Breaking Bad and there are people that won't touch it.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. Right? And because, like, that's the, the difference between, like, a pointier stick or a broader paddle type of thing. Yeah. I have a ton of chat to catch up on. <laughs> um, uh, Lucas regrets it, especially since he p- pretty much gave them the next trilogy story and they throw it out and do their own thing. Mm. Uh, Brad says, uh, didn't need the money. is a very poor decision based on greed. Swanky. They're having this whole back and forth. No, he's getting old and wanted to spend time with his daughter. Didn't want to miss out on her life dealing with another... Almost decade of directing was looking for someone to finish the story. Uh, Brad comes back. Could have just passed the torch at Lucasfilm's, will give distribution and merchandising rights to Disney. Uh, Brad says, "I don't have problems with retiring." Mrs. Negus, Negas, hi, subbed. Thank you for the oh, sub. So. Thank oh. you. Uh, cool. Um, I, I, I'm so bad at pronouncing names. I apologize profusely. Uh, Swanky Disney owns Lucasfilms. He fully retired. Oh man, this is okay. These guys are getting. into it. I, I feel like it's still being civil, but, um, Brad, I understand. I think you could have sold them for much less, slunt, funny, and everybody wins. Even if you sold just Star Wars distribution rights, you still could have sold. Still would have sold Lucasfilm. I agree. I'd only like Disney handling with a lot of but someone else would be running Lucasfilms doing the same thing, well, and that's that's the problem when you take like it like. Is that the end of the? Is that, the that that's caught up on all the chat now? Okay, good. Okay, so and there is a problem when it's like so. I would say George Lucas considers himself the auteur authority on Star Wars, right? And so what he granted, like, regardless of how you feel about how he was checked or not checked during the prequel trilogy, that's still George Lucas's vision, and they, f- they still feel like Star Wars movies for the most right. part. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the sequels, and, like, once that authority was handed off and they did more of a committee base, even though they had, like, an idea of what he wanted to do, regardless of how close they stuck to it or didn't, once it came away from that tour authority that he had, and that was the only thing that was consistent across the first six films, was that these are George Lucas movies. Even though, like, they were the—who um, uh, who was the person who directed this? Lawrence Kasdan? Uh, well, so, yeah, Kasdan was the screenwriter. Um, oh, right. Uh, Why well, can't anyone think of his name? Irvin Kirshner directed Kirshen, Empire. Irvin yeah. Still written by Lucas Kirshner, all that. And then—and uh, I, I always forget who directed Jedi— But even though he wasn't necessarily being the direct conduit from writing to directing, he was still there making sure that people were following his vision. He was completely removed. Like, he had him out of his advisory role and didn't listen to him, basically, Mm. at all for the sequel ones. And then there's a wider net of people that were there producing it. So it gets a little bit more watered down. People are concerned about the fan reaction stuff. If people weren't concerned about fan reaction and just stuck to the core tenets of what... The Star Wars story was supposed to be. If they if they let George have more authority, I think it would have turned out better because it still would feel like a George Lucas production. Once it's like we have to make sure that these are in here so people don't feel mad about it. You're gonna alienate the people that don't like fan service, and so now you're really just you're automatically creating a divide. Yeah. So
0: that's kind of um what uh, that was reminded me of the Mythic Quest thing and the Quiet Dark Death thing is is if you if you were to just listen to every input you have on something, you're gonna try to you're going to try to appease so many people that you're boiling away the edginess or the unique thing that makes it so mm,
4: Richard Marquand directed Jedi. Got it. So here's
0: what is uh-huh. here's what I think is is kind of interesting about Star Wars and it, it's easy to go back in hindsight's 2020 but the problem is whoever had creative control ultimately at Disney over the prequel trilogy you needed a sequel George, the sequel trilogy you needed a George Lucas ish type person to direct it and it's too bad at the time they couldn't have just given it to Dave Filoni because he, he does his yeah. project so well in George Lucas's style that he yeah. would have been a good handoff to run Lucasfilm and then do the, yeah, the distribution completely. rights to
1: somebody else. Do you, think, do you else? think that he was re- regarded as like, oh, you're the animation guy?
4: Right? I, 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 I feel like they sort of treat the animation stuff as lesser. Well, and John
3: Favreau, I think he could have been pulled in, too, because he's done... I didn't
4: didn't know that Favreau had any interest in Star Wars at all until Mandalorian.
1: Well, and I wonder if uh, someone with the clout of Favreau was the one to be able to be like, hey... Dave Filoni is right. He's our man. Yeah. You know,
4: then that might've been with a way that it goes down or had it gone down.
1: Who knows? Yeah.
4: But
0: yeah, that's what they basically needed was they needed somebody to at least stick to the style without worrying, like just make something in this. St- and then, you know, you're talking about like derivatives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's almost where like solo was carved out to me because that was, um, that could have been like a derivative of star Wars. Yeah. But not, I don't know what I'm saying, but it's, You've got Star Wars, the original tr- like the tr- trilogy, right? Yep. And they lost creative cr- direction with 7, 8, and 9 because they tried to appease too many people. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if they would have handed that over, that would have been great. But you can also still make projects that don't have to be under the guise of, like, Dave Filoni or Lucasfilm if it would have went that direction with things like Solo mm-hmm. and had it be a derivative work that tells a story. Right. Um, that's not going to affect the main trilogy as a whole and, and make so many people angry. The yeah. funny
1: thing about The Mandalorian is I think there was so much less pressure on it because, you yeah. know, there there was oh, not really going to be any direct revenue from it. You know, you've got some subscriber revenue, and you've got merchandising, but, mm-hmm. like, there was going to be no ticket sales. The, so I think there was okay. a lot less pressure on them to be you like, know, well, what are people saying the about this? Proof like, you know? The, yeah.
0: the proof is in the, the, in the re- plenty- re- re- pudding about that one because yeah. they didn't even make any Baby Yoda Grogu merch. Right, like so, that came out of left field because people didn't know it was. It's almost like yeah, they just undervalued
1: the what they created. Well, it, it's kind of funny, like let's let's make these porgs and and make a billion like merchandising yes. decisions based on these mm-hmm. creatures we're gonna put in the movie for that reason, and then make Bo- Baby Yoda by accident. Yeah, you know, it's, right. Well, yeah. I, I think like when you're talking about
4: um, if, w- once you're so broadly. Um, Established that you can just like you can take risks on something and not worry about whether or not it's successful or not. Mm-hmm. Like that's the luxury of what Disney has created at this point because they've acquired so many things. Like Disney, both both the Marvel and Lucasfilm acquisitions have paid for themselves
1: immediately, basically. And um, I, I think you see that in WandaVision too. It's like let's just try something balls to the wall weird. Because yeah. We, because we don't yeah. have to fill a theater, you know?
0: Yeah,
4: that's true. And it's yeah. good good creative
0: stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and like yeah, when you let people try and do something different,
4: like people obviously responded to it. Right. Yeah. So and like so that there's only uh, it, it just makes me think now like there's only one you can be in two positions to take risks. You can either be in our position where it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. like, we don't yeah. have anything established whatsoever. Like so we can just do whatever we want and we're not yeah. accountable to anybody. Yeah. Or once you have so much that you can just be like we got to balance the book somehow, so it's like, we'll try that, and if it fails, we'll just count that against our, our whatever for taxes. You yeah. know? Yep. <laughs> so uh, we do have a, another comment from The Clone Watch. Uh, feloni is not an executive. He's a creative. He's an artist at his core. Mm. He has no experience running huge film companies. Uh, as much as I think he should be in charge of stars creatively, he should not be running Lucasfilm. I know a lot of people don't like Kathleen Kennedy. She's been around for a billion years.
2: Yeah, she's been around for she, be-
4: she, she was a producer on... The original Indiana Jones films. She's been around Steven Spielberg and George Lucas since the '80s, -hmm. so she's not like some new person that just swept in. No, that's exactly. This is somebody that George Lucas trusted to run the company from a company running standpoint. Like she had been a producer. She like
1: producers get stuff done. Creatives do the stuff. Yeah. Right. I've I've kind of started putting it. um, Directors get to make movies. Producers get movies made.
4: Yeah, exactly. So it's like. So I think that. Just because she's not like, just because something creatively doesn't come out the way you want, doesn't mean that the person who's running the company made that mistake. Right? They're there to put people in a position to be able to succeed. Like, eth- uh, fundamentally, that's what their job is, right? And so then, like, you so you should be more worried about the people that are on the boots gra- boots on the ground doing the things, <laughs> turning into whatever, right? So it's like I think that JJ Abrams deserves the blame for like. Some, Getting into the whole sequel trilogy thing, <laughs> one person should have been in charge of executing that what, trilogy. Was that a managerial decision, though? I, I like J.J. How- Abrams didn't want to do a trilogy. He wanted to do one movie. Oh, and they okay. wanted J.J. Abrams so bad, they said, fine. And then oh, they're like, oh, crap, gotcha. this blew up in our face. Let's get him back to finish it off mm-hmm. or whatever. And like, you can think whatever you want. I'm not personally a huge fan of J.J. Abrams. I think that he's good at the tease but not good at the resolve. Yeah. If, I, if we had to, oh if, don't even get me started on that if, yeah, like if we had a, if like if we're applying our tour label so it's like if you know if James Cameron is x or y J.J. Abrams is the tease master. Well, you like, know the
0: guy, the meme with the guy and he's like smoking and he's got this hand and he's all frantic and he's in front of the board with all the pins and the strings. There's like yeah. a meme about it. Mm-hmm. He's,
4: he's That's from Always out. Sunny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Right? It is, right? Yeah, so The conspiracy theory. That, that's
0: like how I got done as a Star Wars fan with episode 7. I'm like, where is all this going to lead to? And then it just resolved into garbage.
4: Yeah, so, and like, so because there wasn't a unified vision moving forward, as much as you believe or don't believe that George Lucas actually wrote all three movies at the same time for the original <laughs> Star Wars films, he had a continu- continuity vision of where it was going to go. And that's where they feel like they're connected. And the same thing, even though they're very different than the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy had a continuity of where it was going, and it was executed by one guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, we're just going to throw money and people at this, and hopefully people will buy tickets. And well, I
1: mean, honestly, I don't think Last Jedi... I think Inside... The community of people who do podcasts like this about Star Wars, yeah. Last Jedi, is regarded as this like kind of like oddball. I don't think outside of that community it is. I think right. I think it, it's a successful, like really big hit movie it, be, yeah. because of the money that it drew, and but then also because of the money that the sequel drew. I think like a sequel success is very much a reflection of the previous movie, right? So the third one did gangbusters, and the second one did gangbusters. I mean, I think outside of people who are in podcasts and watching yeah, podcasts yeah, like absolutely. this, like, like that's a really successful, really good movie. Um, so I, I mean, I agree with everything. I, I agree with like the, the fan community in terms of like where the story went. Right. I don't think that the franchise was in need of like, a ridiculous amount of overcorrection from a general audience standpoint. Um,
0: yeah, well, I agree. I have a, a personal observation. I've noticed, and we have to wrap up, unfortunately soon, very soon. Yeah. But um, i have still meet people who've never seen star Wars for the first time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. same. Uh, Caitlin's boyfriend just got her to watch the original star Wars movie. Good on him for getting her to watch a new hope. Um, Or she, he got her to watch new hope um but what i found is i asked people if they like marvel movies mm-hmm. so derek my coworker um he had never seen star wars and i got him to watch star wars I, I didn't watch it with him but i got him to watch it and so i was like hey do you like marvel and if they like the new marvel movies they like 7 8 and 9 a lot mm-hmm. so it fits mm-hmm. in with the the special effects and the like the teasing and the reveals and like the all of the big bang flashy things but you know, I like Star Wars. I like you know, A New Hope is what is a great. It's like a Back to the Future. It's yeah, Star it, it, Wars is a perfect movie. It can be alone or it can be a part of the of the right. of the thing. But yeah. I fi- I find and so I already know that when she gets to seven, eight, nine, I bet you she's gonna like them because she said she loves the Marvel movies. And so it's just I put them on the same um, thing, you know, as on the same level as that. But
1: I think from the from the point of view of the fan community, seven, eight, and nine were movies that had to appeal to fans Mm -hmm. i don't think outside of fan culture that is a thing that is true like i don't think financially that's a true statement i think star wars 789 had to draw in new audience yeah it it Um, always i mean really like if if the only people that went to see 789 were diehard star wars fans and those people love them they would not be mega billion dollar financial successes yeah they probably would have lost money The on
0: fans them. couldn't have propped it up, but you need to bring in new people. And there's exactly. a lot of new people who were introduced to Star Wars. The same thing with Mandalorian. Think of how many people I've heard, they still never watch Star Wars stuff, but they watch Mando and love yep. it. And so now they're going to check out more Star Wars stuff. And uh, I saw a thing, uh, Kara dresses up as Ahsoka. Somebody's like, oh, I love Ahsoka and the Mandalorian. They'd never seen Ahsoka before that. And it's like, so it's yeah. fun because it, these little, they always... Different things are bringing different people in, and that's what gets them into the trilogy, which is really fun. I have to apologize, Keith, that the last 20, 25 minutes to 35 minutes is all about Star Wars. I love this But a sprinkle of (laughs) filmmaking and fun ideas, and then um, you were talking about producing and directing and creative and running a company. Mythic Quest is all of that. I don't know why I'm plugging Mythic Quest so hard, but it's really fun. It's so good. The new season
3: just came um, out. You've got
0: the creative... Programmer is a girl from Australia. She's absolutely awesome. Then you've got Rob from uh, Always Sunny is the creative vision. So he just like spits stuff out and people listen to him and create it. And then you have David, who's the producer, and get things done. And you get to see um, how they each contribute to making this video game. And you get to see all these roles in action. And it spreads so much light on how those roles work in a creative process. I I love the show. really, really fun. Unfortunately, it's on Apple, but they just keep giving me free apple they really do they're like oh yeah we'll just accept apple plus of, or apple whatever. plus yeah huh. so it's kind of funny but uh, uh any other closing statements before we wrap up for uh,
4: a little bit more discourse about kathleen kennedy that we probably don't need to get into <laughs> but it's whatever yeah uh, swanky says i love rosario dawson as ahsoka yeah, yeah yeah she was great um so yeah like i feel like even though we did like go on sort of a tangent about like the production of star wars and stuff i think like a film director slash producer slash writer slash everything guy. You know, it's like, he's eminently qualified. I think we stayed pretty much on topic from, yeah, that, play, yeah, that you know, it's absolutely. like, I, I think that we did pretty solidly well. Um, so hexagonmotionpictures.com, Check that out. Grave Digger Dave's halfway house. Grave Digger Dave's anthology festival. festival. Grave Digger Dave presents Red Betty and the murder farm and the horror anthology handbook. Free. Keith, that's is, too much stuff. So, I need to stop. <laughs> such a such a prolific producer. Check out all those things. Uh, the hexagonmotionpictures.com. Again, you check it out. You can watch The First Gravedigger Dave's on Amazon Prime right now. Yep. You can get the
0: book Red Betty and the Murder Farm on Amazon on your Kindle. It is number
3: two right in now. horror right now, it right? It was.
1: Oh, oh it, right now. It sank, it sank oh. to, what, nine, and then now it's at 15 last I checked. Well, but, yeah, let's get it back up to number one, guys. Yes, yeah. yeah. that's right. Uh, check out check all out. of his
4: stuff. We really appreciate having Keith on here. <laughs> uh man if you guys have made it this far into the podcast congratulations you've made it to the end of the podcast go ahead and give it a like if you want to see more content like this in the future comment down below with how you feel about basically anything we talked about we got in some some deep chewy material today and i would love to continue talking about it down in the comments with you guys subscribe if you're not already ring the notification bell to be notified every time we upload a new video or go live i think it's pretty fun talking to us live we have uh We have a good time. Uh, Thank you guys so much for watching. And of course,
3: may the force be with you.